Good morning. Welcome on in. 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Wednesday is here. Yeah, how about that? The middle of the week already. Easter at the end of the week. A lot of people on spring break this week. If not this week, then next week, spring break. And we roll into April already. Baseball season starts officially tomorrow, right? Yeah, I'm excited for that. Opening day always means something to me. Everybody knows I'm an old baseball guy, and I like baseball, particularly the start. This is PK. DJ's off today. We'll have a special guest sitting in later in the show. I think you'll enjoy it. We are bound to argue over stuff that doesn't mean anything, but we're going to have some fun there. That's what we do when we get together. All the time. I've uh, done many appearances uh, on his show and his show uh, and um, him on my show and uh, shows together. And we've had a lot of fun. Look forward to that coming up in just about an hour and a half, two hours. Uh, thanks for joining us. As I said, tomorrow being opening day, I especially love opening day when I live in a colder weather city. Living in Arizona and then moving over to the Los Angeles area, not much. But going back to my original roots in New Jersey, man, I absolutely loved it. Because that meant spring was here. For me, spring, the advent of spring, I have two things, really three things. Since my wife's been a teacher for a number of years and got kids in school, still have a sophomore doing some track stuff for Brighton. How about that? Uh, With that in mind... Although I guarantee you, if you go to a Brighton track meet, you would never pick her out. (laughs) Is that true, Yuck? You'll never be able to pick her out. (laughs) Not a chance. (laughs) Just leave it at that. (laughs) So I still got uh, just a little over two more years before the high school stuff is over. And uh, so spring break always was a signal of spring was arriving. And the Canyons District uh, getting ready to go on spring break. And then opening day in baseball always meant something to me. That's for sure. Especially then, the the first place I lived and the fourth place I've lived, which is here and now is the fourth place. And the first first place was back east. And, man, much, much more uh, of difficult weather in terms of winter that you get there than you do where we live. Plus, you're just a few hours away. You can go south and have a good time and have it be warm. Down in the St. George area, Mesquite and Vegas, we've all done that uh, run down there. And I'm sure those areas are going to be swamped. They're probably already swamped as far as that goes. And uh, so that's one. And then the complete and total advent of spring is the Masters, which is next week, I think, right? Yeah. And excited for that. Once I see those flowers there in that course, I've never been there. Been to Atlanta for work a few times, uh, but I've never made my way over to the Masters in Augusta. I suppose one of these times, maybe, probably, will uh, be there. I also want to play uh, that sawgrass course outside of Jacksonville. I've been there. I haven't played it. Uh, problem with me is my wife's a golfer, so whatever I have to Spend on green fees, double it. We were at Pebble Beach once, and uh, she walked. We were in the pro shop there, and she asked, uh, what's your green fees? And I think this was probably seven, eight years ago. And they said, $695. And she says, what's your twilight rate? And they said, $695. <laughs> they don't have a twilight rate. So 
uh, I don't know, maybe one of these coaches. I know these coaches have played. Kalani told me a story about playing at the Pebble Beach and some deal, and he gets up on the first tee and duffs it, and he's all embarrassed. And then the second shot, but he was off the tee. He said he smoked, I think it was a two iron or three iron or something, and got it down there. But the damage had already been done. And uh, when, when you're around a crowd for the first time, you're just hoping you get the ball out there. Even if you pop it up 150 yards, at least get it out there. So those are the things that bring on spring. And also for this spring, you know, I'm excited for the Jazz basketball for sure. They've got a game tonight against Memphis as they look to continue their winning streak. Excited to see what they can do. I think it's going to be a decent challenge to play the Memphis Grizzlies uh, on the road after having beaten them the last two times at home on Friday and Saturday. What can they do? All right, basketball obviously is a dominant topic. And it's a topic up on the hill with a new coach, Craig Smith, and then also in Logan as they are looking for a new coach. And we'll get into that with the... Play-by-play man for the Utah State Aggies. You know him, Scott Gerard. He's coming up next. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. I want to tell you about Mark Miller being our title sponsorship. DJ and PK in the morning is brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. And I am brought to you because our next guest has seen to it to employ me. Because without him, I'm nothing. Good morning, Scott Gerard. Good morning, PK. How are you? I am doing great. Wanted to bring you on to talk to you about Utah State. Now, uh, Hartwell did some media stuff yesterday, and there was some talk that. Uh, as of Friday during the day, this wasn't looking like it was going to happen. Could you take us through that timeline? So, and it's interesting because it kind of lines up with with what I had heard. Because on Friday, you know, there's some rumblings going on. And so I actually said on the show, because I talked to people that, up at Utah State that said it wasn't happening. That uh, Craig Smith was going to stay at Utah State. And so I had, uh, and I kind of relayed that a little bit on the air. I didn't come strong and say he wasn't coming, but I had heard from a lot of people up there that uh, Craig Smith had given some assurances that that he was not going to go to, uh, he was not going to take the University of Utah job if it was offered. Um, the uh, and and yesterday on our show and later in a press conference, John Hartwell said the same thing. He said, "Hey, look, they told us at three o'clock that nothing was happening, and then at nine o'clock it was done." But he also said that there, he doesn't think there was anything nefarious going on, that it was just once, you know, whether it was Johnny Bryant or whoever said no, that it was ultimately uh, that, uh, that, that, that the spotlight that went on on Craig Smith and Craig decided not to take it. So, or Craig decided to take it. So to take it, yeah. that's the timeline he got. He doesn't think it was anything over the top bad, but that's, that's where he's at. 
Well, there's some things going on involved there. Obviously, that I think part of it is Craig Smith knew he had a good situation in Logan, so you don't just don't uh, leave uh, on a whim that you have to give it some serious consideration there. So that possibly could be one. And then uh, I'm not naive enough to know uh, to not think that uh, potentially more cash. Yeah, for sure. Nothing and, wrong and with I that. Agree with, no, no, there's nothing wrong with that. And by the way, I agree with John. I think that at the end of the day, um, Craig, you know, Craig at that point didn't think he was leaving. Like, I don't think anything was, was, you know, underhanded or anything like that. I just think things went really quickly and there may have been some conversations and probably there was something said that said, Hey, look, we really think that, you know, this guy's going to take the job. Um, so, you know, if he does, we're going to go in that direction. And then when they found out he wasn't, you know, what Johnny Bryan or whoever didn't take the job, then it was uh, then it was Craig's job. And look, the the money is too was too good. I mean, you and I would have done the same thing. Oh yeah, I don't have any problem with that. Uh, each person's got to make his or her own decisions on that, and those are tough decisions to be made. And if you can drive up the salary. Now, we had a, you and I exchanged some communication over the weekend, and the more I thought about it, the more it made sense. A little bit of the Kyle Whittingham way back when, going back 16, 17 years, at 8 o'clock at night, he was not taking the Utah job. He was taking the BYU job, and that had been uh, reported, and at that time, it was accurate. And I, I had spoke to Mr. Whittingham that night, and you could tell that it was weighing on him big time. And then uh, three hours later or so, he decides he's taken that job at Utah. And clearly, he made the right decision. I think that's where his heart was, and that's where he belonged. And so he decided to stay and be elevated from D coordinator to head coach. And he's going to retire as the winningest coach in Utah history. So obviously, he made the right decision uh Remains to be seen if Craig Smith did. Uh, I listened to all of his stuff on Saturday, and I found that uh, typical Craig Smith, man. He said, <laughs> I, think, I, I think we got a good nucleus. I'm saying, well, wait a second. That nucleus got Larry Kristobiak fired, and that nucleus is losing Allen and Plummer. So I'm not yeah. sure they have a good nucleus, but I also think that this program, and I covered that program in the 90s, they need to have all sorts of enthusiasm back into the program. And so that's why I think Smith was an excellent choice by Mark Harlan. You were on the front line, so to speak, of that enthusiasm and the job that Craig Smith did. Speak to that as far as being able to get that program and get everybody in Logan excited about it. Well, and that's what I uh, I tweeted that out when, when it came out. Look, there's... I can't guarantee Utah fans Pac-12 wins. I can't guarantee you NCAA tournament trips because I, I don't know how that transition is going to go from a win-loss standpoint. But what I can guarantee you is what we've seen already, that he'll win the press conference. He'll bring a ton of enthusiasm. Uh, he'll have that same kind of energy that, uh, and again, I'm not drawing the comparisons in terms of wins and losses, but he's got that same kind of Urban Meyer-esque, especially in the early 2000s when Urban was at Utah where he's going to do everything he can to put butts in the seats and bring a certain level of excitement and energy back to that program where he wants that Huntsman Center to be rocking. He wants that student section to be great like he used to be. And he's going to do everything in his power to help make it happen. That's the kind of guy he is. Um, he's, he's a ball of energy. 
uh, he'll go out and meet anybody at any Kiwanis club or whatever he needs to do to make sure that there's excitement to that program. Uh, and that's, that's what you can count on with him. He's incredible working with the media. Uh, he, he's, he's great trying to get the image and the excitement back to a program. And I think that's, I think you hit it on the head. I think so what Utah needs initially right now is some level of excitement. Not just some, here we go again. You know, and I love Relayer Kaskoviak. I think he's a great guy as well um, and a great person. But you need somebody who's going to do everything in his power to promote that program. That's what Craig Smith's going to bring initially. Scott Gerard, who is the play-by-play broadcaster for Utah State football and basketball, joining us here. You're also hearing from 10-2 to 2 on the zone with Hans Olsen. I want to talk to you about the recruiting aspect of it. Because recruiting is a big deal, and uh, Alex Markham of Rivals re- uh, reported that he's bringing back uh, Slocum, who was down at UNLV, used to be at Utah as an assistant coach, and those guys have a history together. Was it uh, in Colorado? They had it uh, somewhere along the line. Anyway, that's one of these uh, places. Uh, one of the staff uh, spots is going to be filled. Yeah. As far as recruiting goes, uh, you know. He had a good teams, great teams. He brought in Cada, right? He recruited Cada yes. to yeah. Utah State. Uh, the nucleus of a program that went to the NCAAs three years, and they didn't go last year, but they had won it, so they weren't going to go. Uh, there was no tournament. Uh, who was he responsible for bringing in, and who did he inherit? Well, obviously the big one he inherited was Sam Merrill, uh, Quinn Taylor, um, you know, uh, Abel Porter, um, you know, those are the guys that uh, got in there the first year with Kata. Uh, and then after that, uh, you look at, uh, I think he's brought in really a couple of really good pieces on this year's team, although super young. You know, I think uh, you, you look at the uh, uh, the overseas players that he brought, um, Sheeman Sapala, you're not, you know, we only saw just a brief moment of, but, but they anticipate he'll be good. Max Sholga is another international player they're really excited about. They got some time. Um, but the, you know, obviously a heavy, heavy dose over the, at least the first two years uh, were, were Tim Durier and, and even, you know, Sam Merrill is even a Stu Morrill guy. Uh, that's how far back he went uh, with the mission and everything. So, you know, the questions are right. I mean, and I think it's, it's, it's valid about, you know, what did he do on, you know, with players that, that he brought in and your initial thought was always going to go to Namish Keita. That was going to be the guy that he brought. And, and the lead recruiter on that's Eric Peterson, who I anticipate here in the next two days is going to be announced on that staff at the University of Utah. I'm, I'm uh, 99% sure Eric Peterson is going to end up at the University of Utah. So with him and Slocum, and, you know, Petey was a guy that went to Portugal and pretty much lived there for a month to make sure that they got Namiash Keita. So he's a tremendous uh, recruiter, especially on the international scene. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm fairly certain you're going to hear him announced as a University of Utah uh, on, that, on that staff as well. So, uh, you know, I, we didn't really get a chance to see a lot of what he could do recruiting, but by all accounts, it sounds like, you know, he'll, he'll knock it out of the park. Okay, he's going to have to. I mean, you're going to bring all the enthusiasm yep. in the world, but you've got to have players. I mean, it's just 100% right. Yep. And, and that's uh, one thing we've one thing, learned. One thing with him, though, he's really particular on recruits. Um, there were a few transfers that he had a chance to bring in um, this last off season, and he just didn't feel like it was right. And, okay. you know, so, so he's very particular on his locker room. He wants to make sure that the locker room's sound. He doesn't want to bring in 
um, players that just don't seem to fit. You know, there was a player that uh, was Southern Utah's best player this year, Torian Knight, um, or John Knight, excuse me, who uh, led Southern Utah in scoring. He started at Utah State and just didn't quite fit. And uh, then he transferred to Southern Utah, and he's had a tremendous career. That's a that's a Craig Smith recruit right there. So, you know, he's very particular with the locker room. If he doesn't feel like it's a good fit locker room-wise, then he's probably going to try to move on from a player. So we can say he has the second-best locker room in America? Sure, yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know who has the first, don't you? Uh, it'd be the Jazz, right? No, be Mark Pope. He says that all the time. Best oh, locker yeah. room in America. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, so, Scott Gerard joining us. Uh, now we turn our attention to what's going to happen in Logan because they've got to get a basketball coach. And, you know, they've had a pretty good basketball tradition, too. And we've all been in the spectrum when that place is rocking. And, you know, great. Reminds me of uh, uh, what's the place? Dukes? What's their? Cameron. You know, Cameron it's indoor. Very, yeah. yeah, it's not super big, but uh, it's a lot of student sex uh, support and uh, we get the community involved and you got a whale of a home court advantage. So there's a lot to sell for Utah State. Uh, what are your thoughts as far as where they're going? Uh, that's a good question. I think that uh, John Hartwell keeps everything really close to the vest. I think the most obvious one out there that makes a lot of sense uh, is Tim Miles, and I think you covered Tim and saw him a little bit when yeah. you were well, on the basketball sure. beat back yeah, in the day. Yeah. I think there's some, I think there's some mutual interest there. He's been out of the game for a year or two after getting uh, let go at Nebraska. But Greg mm-hmm. Smith was on his staff at Colorado State and at right. uh, and in Nebraska. So I think that's one that could be out there. Um, I think I would look at uh, Chris Burgess and uh, Cody Fuger. I think those are both two great options at BYU. Um, and then I think that there's, um, you know, some other, uh, the Eric Peterson thing, I think, uh, he's, he was, he was the lead assistant under Craig. And, uh, I think that he may have had some interest, but ultimately I think he's going to end up at the university of Utah. Like I said, I think that's going to be announced here in the next uh, day or two that he's going to university of Utah. So, um, I'd say Tim miles probably, but, uh, knowing John Hartwell, he will announce somebody that you've never heard of. And then it will eventually be really good. So, I mean, he's knocked it out of the park with Craig Smith. The Gary Anderson thing I don't think was ultimately his call or something that the direction he was really interested in going in initially when uh, bringing him back to Utah State. The Blake Anderson hire uh, has brought a lot of excitement to the program. Obviously, we don't know how that's going to be until we start playing some games here in the fall. But he's everywhere he's gone, he's made really good hires. And I think uh, hopefully he can do the, do the same again. So I listened to him. He was on with you guys and then uh, had some media availability. And one of the things that caught my ear when he was on with the media availability was talking about uh, how he's if he has to go through this every three or four years because he's hired a great coach, he's willing to do that as opposed to hiring an average coach and being okay for a decade. And so I thought about that, and it's like, all right, and sort of like what Chris Hill uh, would used to say at Utah was that if, if the guys are good, they're going to come after you and come after them, and that's just the way it is. Now, interestingly, you know, the only guy who left uh, was Urban, 
the other guys yeah. didn't leave, and Kyle's not leaving. Uh, because, and I think in large part because he is a, a Utah guy. And, and knowing Kyle like I do, one of his greatest accomplishments, he's going to leave as the winningest coach in Utah football history. That's a given. But if you ask him one of his greatest accomplishments that he's most proud of is that his four children all went to the same schools, went grade school, junior high, high school. Uh, and then and I think they all went to the U of U, too, for that matter. And as a family guy, that matters a lot. And that weighed on him, and I think that helped in, in a large part keeping him local. Uh, can Utah State find a balance in that way of getting somebody who really wants to be in Logan and that's where he's developed and made his life and put down his roots? Or does the pay prevent it in terms of, well, if they're really, really good – you, Stacy, uh, Craig Smith, these types of things, that's just what they're going to have to deal with. Well, I mean, you're going to have to – I mean, they had that essentially with Stu Morrill yes, they for did. a long time, and Stu won a ton of games, and I think Stu was kind of that Kyle Winningham um, belief that, you know, like I just want to stay here, and, and he flirted. And I think, you know, Kyle Winningham, I think, had some opportunities, the Tennessee job, you know, what, eight, nine, ten years ago. So there's been some opportunities out there, but – you've got to find that unique guy that is willing to stay there um, and, and willing to embrace the community. And because, you know, it's a, it's a good community up there, but when you have a chance to double or triple your salary uh, doing the same work, uh, it, it's hard to turn that down. So yeah, it's going to take a unique person to take that. And I think, look, I think John Harwell's right. Like, look, if we're winning games, we're going to get phone calls and guys are going to move on. Matt Wells, you know, nearly tripled his salary. Um, and, and, you know, I don't know what would have happened if Kyle Whittingham stayed at Utah, but Utah was still in the Mountain West. And now he's, you know, now he's yeah, very yeah, yeah. well compensated in regards to everybody oh, else sure. in the country at the P5 yep. level. Yeah. But, you know, would he have stayed the whole time had he, they been in the Mountain West and they could only afford, yeah. you know, 1.5, 1.6 million. And somebody comes in and says, we're going to offer you a four. I don't know. You know, it's, right. it's, it's, right. it's an interesting world Utah State's stuck in right now. That's an interesting point, Scott Gerard joining us. Yeah, when you think about that, the the he didn't he got a new job in a sense without moving and taking a new job <laughs> because of yeah. the change of uh, going from the Mountain West to the Pac-12. Uh, uh, before we let you go, a couple of things. Uh, you think that sometimes when coaches leave, there's fallout. Players leave. We know Kate has already put his name in the draft, which is obvious to me. He's an NBA player. As I watched him, I thought defensively he was just a beast this past season. So I got to believe there's a spot for him in the NBA somewhere. And so do you anticipate anybody taking off? And then what's the timeline to get a new coach in there? Well, um, John Hartwell mentioned with us yesterday, he wants it done by uh, mid to end of next week. And so, He'll be at the final four this weekend um, where, you know, there's, you know, a yeah. bunch of, and I don't know what it's going to be like this year with the COVID, but there's always a lot of coaches floating around at the final four. So he wants to use that opportunity, I'm sure, to talk to some people. Um, so I think in the next, you know, eight, nine days, you're going to have a new coach at, uh, at Utah State. Um, then- as far as other players leaving as of right now, and Kata, by the way, the Kata news wasn't related to Craig Smith. He was always going to leave, and he should. For sure. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. It was. It was the right thing to do for him right. and, and, and his point right now. Um, I, you know, as of right now, everybody's staying put. Um, Alfonso Anderson put his name in the portal, but he was always going to uh, try to uh, test the water somewhere else. That was, you know, a week or so before the Craig Smith news broke. So as of right now, everybody's staying put. I got to imagine there'll be one or two just because that's the way it always seems to go when you have a coaching change. But 
I don't. I would be surprised if it's a mass exodus of players going somewhere else. One other thing, I lied. Utah State and Utah. You think they can get a series going? Um, I don't think so. I, 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 I just don't think that's a priority for the University of Utah right now. And Utah State wants a home and home. And um, unless, uh, and I think that you know, I don't know what what has spurred that. Um, if I'm Craig Smith, I don't know if I really want to go up to the Spectrum in Logan. Um, so I, I would be surprised if it gets back on the schedule on a regular basis. There might be, uh, might be something that pops up here and there, but I don't think it'll happen on a reg on, you know, on a yearly thing like BYU and Utah state. All right, Scotty, what you got coming up today? Busy show. Um, David Locke makes his weekly appearance. You know how that usually goes. We don't talk and he talks a lot. Um, <laughs> and we'll also have Jay Hill on and, uh, talk about the hell Mary that may have saved their season and they're running a national championship. And just broke my heart as a former Northern Arizona University Lumberjack. Well, let's be honest. Your memories of NAU are pretty vague, I'm sure, for various Uh, reasons. On purpose. Yeah. (laughs) All right, Scotty, thanks for joining us. Look forward to listening to you in a couple hours. You got it, man. Appreciate it. All right, that was uh, Scott Gerard. Obviously, on the zone, you hear him every day from 10 to 2 with Hans Olsen. Listen to their show. It's right after ours, DJ and PK, and then followed by Jake and Gordon from 2 to 6. Coming up next, we are going to talk a little bit about jazz basketball, of course, how well they're playing. And not only that, we had Mike Smith on yesterday, and we're going to replay the interview and talk, get Mike, he does the jazz broadcasts, Talk to him what he thinks about the trades that were made at the trade deadline last week and how it impacts the Jazz. Plus, he has an interesting thought on where he wants to see the Lakers finish in the regular season and what their seed will be for the playoffs. Stay with us next right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning. Welcome on in. 97.5, 1280, The Zone. DJ and PK. DJ is off today. I am PK. We had on Mike Smith late in the show yesterday. He had some real interesting stuff. We want to let the early risers hear it as far as what's going on with the trades, who benefited, who does he not think is a big deal, who thinks it's a big deal, and what he wants to see in the first round of the playoffs. And the more I thought about it, the more that would be very advantageous for the Jazz. So here's Mike Smith joining us on The Zone. Mike, you get the distinct pleasure. DJ's off, so you got PK solo today. Today is your lucky day, Mike. <laughs> Good morning. How's everybody doing? You're, you're flying solo, huh? Yeah, got to take. Uh, you got to allow a couple of days off uh, here and there. I don't know. Did Ralph Lawler ever take any time off? Uh, he wanted to never miss a game. Like that was his. His mantra, he loved broadcasting more than he loved his own family, which <laughs> in some ways was to his detriment. Um, but the funny thing is, one time he, he lived he lived like 
two and a half hours away from the arena. Like he, he lived for one weird period. He moved to Palm Springs. Oh, he did. So that would that would be like, God, that wouldn't even be like, you know, Bowler Jack living in Logan. No. And you know, driving down to do the games. It was another hour, and one game he got stuck in some traffic thing, and he couldn't get there. And so they turned to me and said, "Mike, you're doing play by play tonight." And I said, "You got it." And when we moved like the the pre and post analyst over, and I did the game. And anyway, I was trained to do that, but. But yeah, he he hated to miss games. Um, we all did. I think I missed one game in twenty years with the wow. Clippers. So it's it's kind of a weird thing, right? You you know it's a good gig. No, oh, for sure. And you, you just kind of the Lou Gehrig, Wally Pip thing. Like you you, you never want to miss an opportunity and give somebody else a chance. Somebody to say, oh, that guy's pretty good too, or that yeah. guy's better. But yeah. It, that, that... That's so funny you say that, Mike, because, you know, DJ and I, next week, we're going to be uh, marking our 19th anniversary of doing this oh. tel- or doing this radio show. Good and for you, you know, guys. You know being in broadcasting that that's a long time to do a show. Yeah, it's uh, a so long you, run. Yeah, and, and in the early days, as I was sort of making my mark, you talk about not wanting to take vacation. I was freaking petrified, Mike, because I oh, thought yeah. that very same thing, man. This is such a sweet gig, and I had worked my whole life. I wanted it bad. I grew yep. up in Phoenix. I first heard sports radio in uh, the early 80s, and it used to be on from 10 p.m. to midnight. Guy did it, and that's that was like the introduction. And I first heard it, and I thought, wow, I want to do this. This is me. I love sports. I'm not good enough to be a player. This is what I can do. I really wanted yeah. to do it, and I finally get the opportunity, and I did not want to give it up. My wife, I thought she was going nuts because I, 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 like, I would start to just almost get sick, the thought of somebody uh, taking my place for a week. I just couldn't handle it. Yeah. No, no, it's. There's all that that's involved, and everybody who gets there to a certain level, especially at the level you are or doing NBA games, we all have a story of how we got there. Yeah. And, like, I mean, I finished playing, and I, you know, wrote the Clippers, which is the last team I played for, and I said, listen, I'll do your games in Spanish. And they were like, what? What? No, we don't have a market here for it. And, of course, you know, they did because the Lakers are here in town. And the Lakers had not only Spanish radio but Spanish TV. And I said, listen, let's start with the radio. They're like, no, 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 you know, we, we, we don't have the budget for that. And I said, listen, I'll go find the stations. I'll go find the sponsors. It kind of went back and forth like that. And finally they came back to me and said, nope, we decided not to do it. And I'm like, that's the wrong choice. <laughs> and then they called me back like two weeks later and they said, um, you know, we were thinking about it. We're not that happy with our radio guy in English. And so by radio guy, they meant like the David Locke guy, right? Not, yeah. not They didn't have a color guy in radio. They said one guy doing play-by-play. And they said, why don't you submit us a tape and we'll consider it? Okay, I'd never done radio. I'd never done play-by-play. But I sent him a tape of a game I watched and I turned the volume down and just recorded myself into a cassette player. That's how ancient this is. Mm-hmm. And just did my best, you know, Chick Hearn, who was the legendary Laker announcer that I grew up listening to, and just sure. kind of sent him my best version of me doing play-by-play, and they hired me. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I started in the business. I was doing radio play-by-play. So, 
I think I've said this before, forgive me fans or anybody listening, but Hot Rod Hunley and I are the only two ever to have played in the NBA and done radio play-by-play for the NBA. So that's – I don't mind being linked with Hot Rod. I think sure. he's the best. Yeah. What a run yeah. he had. Mike yeah. Smith joining us now. Speaking of uh, a uh, what a run he had, we know the Jazz earlier in the season, 22 of 24. I think we we just looked it up, and 21 of 20 of 21. Just an incredible That's streak correct. here. And so they've won six in a row. I don't know that they can get to that level, but the way they're playing now seems to be on the funk that they had earlier in the month uh, with a blowout loss to the Warriors and the, and the disappointing loss to the Wizards. I think they're primed to go on. I don't know to what degree. I don't know that they can match it, but I think they're primed to go on another run. What do you think? Well, they got all these games coming up at home, right? I know just a minute ago it was going to be 11 out of 14, so they just had a, a, a slew of them, the two at Memphis, and then one away against Memphis, and then Cleveland last night, right? So that mm-hmm. was four of those, so maybe eight of the next 10 or seven of the next 10 at home, and I looked at the opponents, but they're the best record in the league. And, like, arguably you could say they're the best regular season team in the league. They really are right now. Yeah. Let, let's just let's just not they, – they got a lot of great things going, okay? I talked to Steve Kerr that night. They lose to the Warriors. I talked to him the night before. So I was doing the pre-post for the Warriors game, and Steve's an old friend. And I said, tell me your honest opinion. He goes, Mike, they're a lot like we were the first year we won it. He goes, they got multiple passers, multiple playmakers, a great assessment uh, of shooters. They defend. They get after you every night. They like each other. And so here was Steve kind of making this case to me that, listen, they're, they're as good as we were in some ways. You know, no, I, I don't see the, the Steph and Clay super-duper star shooter. But, you know, Steph and Clay were not Donovan Mitchell either. And that's being fair to them all, right? Steph is, I'm not saying Steph is one-dimensional. Steph is incredible and the best shooter we've ever seen and will go down as the best shooter ever seen. And multifaceted. But Donovan's a little bit different, right? He scores and can take a game over and can get his own shot and maturing right before our very eyes. But that was just, like a very, he didn't need to do anything. He was just talking to me, right? He didn't, he didn't, he wasn't in front of a camera, Steve Kerr. So he was a little bit unguarded in his assessment. I think it was a, a real honest depiction of who they are. And of course, the Warriors went out the next night and beat him because Steph went for 33 and kind of just messed up the jazz flow. But uh, they're good. And they got a chance. Oh, that was the last thing Steve said to me. He goes, Mike, they're legitimate title contenders. And I really believe that. Now, I've only started doing the games after the second half of the season. So the first half, I'm just kind of an objective observer because the bubble and they wouldn't fly me in until now we feel a little more comfortable. But now I'm watching them and I'm saying, this team really has a chance. Now, PK, you and I both know that come playoff time, that stars usually prevail. Uh-huh. And it's true in basketball more than it is in any other sport. Uh, you know, Brady proved that it's really relevant in football, but in baseball, not so much, right? Baseball's a team game. Baseball, you can have that 
Cinderella team with the great assessment of chemistry where a team can win a title and catch lightning in a bottle. And the basketball, you can catch lightning in a bottle. Dirk and Dallas did it, you know, once. Dwayne Wade did it early there with that Shaq team. They weren't the best team, but had a, a historic rise of a certain player at a moment where they just caught it and went with it. But typically, or usually, it is the team with stars during a seven-game series that will emerge victorious because it's not a one-game shot. It's not March Madness. It's it's seven games. It's the best coaching minds in the game kind of trying to take away what you do best. That being said, if you consider all that, you'd say, oh, well, Lakers or Clippers, you know, probably the best talented star-laden team in the West will prevail. I don't know this year. Like, I'm telling you that. I don't know. I don't know that they can do it. I think the Clippers made a terrible move trading for Rondo and getting rid of Lou Williams. Because to my point about stars, you need stars. You need guys who can get a shot and create a shot. And I thought the Clippers were uh, terrible last year, losing that 3-1 lead to Denver. But but I thought with George, Kawhi, and Lou Williams, they become a little bit unguardable come playoff time because you need a third guy who can score. The Lakers are the Lakers, and LeBron. And I don't know this year if they can recover from being out. I don't know how serious the AD injury is. I think LeBron comes back. I think he regains form. Is he good enough to take them to the finals again? It all depends on AD. But I typically think the Lakers don't have enough shooting to do it. So we'll see. Now that brings you back to the Jazz. Are the Jazz better than any other team in the West? Yes, they are. And in the regular season, they're better than the Lakers and Clippers. In the playoffs, can they beat those guys for seven games? That's what we're going to find out. I think they have a chance, and I think they got a better chance this year than I've ever seen. They defend. Rudy's better. If Bogey continues, you know, and Ingles, and I'm not saying they have to play at their historic, like Ingles just had a run, you know, eight games ago that was out of sight. Donovan's on a tear right now. Last night he would have done the same, but he only played 23 minutes. You know, if Bogey plays like he did last year and can find that stroke, you've got a shot to beat anybody. Conley's been amazing this year. They're really that good. So it's, it's going to be fun. And the Jazz are going to finish with the number one seed. They really are. That means home court advantage. That home court advantage in that arena is more important to them than I think any other team in the West. PK, I'm telling you, this, this, could, be, this could be the year. I'm that excited about it. Yeah, okay. Jazz broadcaster Mike Smith joining us. You already gave your thought on the Rajon Rondo-Lou Williams acquisition. There was a couple other yeah. ones that I wanted to get your thought on. We'll start with, and you can take them however order you want. The Lakers add Drummond, the Nuggets add uh, Aaron Gordon, and then Portland yep. gets uh, Norman Powell. Assess those moves and how it would not, relate not, to postseason success. Non-factor up in Portland. I mean, Nor- he, he's good, and he's played great for Toronto. You know, that's, that's, that's okay. It's not, a, it's not a game changer. It's not a difference maker. Portland is still Portland. Portland's still going to so rely heavily on Lillard and McCollum to score 25 each. 
to yeah. beat you. And they could do it on a given night, but they're not going to beat the Jazz in a seven-game series. But they're playing better. Give them credit. I think they've won maybe 9 of 13. And Denver, the identical record, I think 28 and 18, on the rise. Uh, yeah, Aaron Gordon's an athlete. Uh, I've never been a huge fan. I do think he got robbed in two dunk contests. <laughs> I think what he did in those two dunk contests was unbelievable. And he should have won hands down. I don't know how he didn't. But um, he's okay to me. Michael Porter is more of a factor in a player because of how lights out he's shooting the ball. And Jokic is having a great year. So they're good. They got off to a really slow start. But I don't think they're beating the Jazz, even though they got them last year. I, I just don't. Um, Drummond. Drummond. Listen, it, it all depends on AD, and I think that injury is more serious than anyone's saying. So I, I just, it all depends on him. Last year he was healthy. Typically he's not. Look at his history. He just doesn't, he's, he's fragile. He just doesn't play 82 games. He's always missing games. He's always hurt. Last year he wasn't. And to the Lakers' benefit, he and LeBron carried them to a title. They didn't have to go through the Jazz, and they didn't have to go through the Clippers. So, you know, they just – and give LeBron credit. I mean, it was his best performance. I think it's, that's the worst supporting cast he's ever had, other than AD. AD was amazing. But the other crew, compared to the other 3 through 12 on any other team he's been on, was the worst, and they won. So, I don't know. I think what's interesting is that the Lakers, even though they've won three in a row, can fall and could fall while LeBron's out and AD's out somewhere around yeah. six, right? I don't think right. they fall to seven. But if they fall to six, I'm loving it, as you are and as are all Jazz fans, because that would mean <laughs> Clippers-Lakers in the first round. And that means you get rid of one of them without having to play them. Sure. Like, like you don't wanna you don't want it to line up so you got to go through both of them because it's just gonna be a tough grinded out series against talent laden stars that you got to stop for seven games. If you can get rid of one of them in one shot, you've got a chance. So I mean, the West is good, but uh, if you just ask me who could win the title this year, there's really there's really five teams. Let's put the Suns in Jazz, there? Clippers, Lakers, Nets, Philly. That's it. That's it. Okay, winning the title. Uh, so you don't. Yeah, you don't the put, whole thing. You don't put the Suns as a threat in the West. No, no, not to win the whole thing. No, not but to win the good. whole thing, but just a threat in the West. Listen, they're going to finish second. I really believe it. Chris Paul is a difference maker. Chris Paul is too short to win an NBA title. That's, that's nothing against him. I've known it. I, I broadcasted every game he did as a Clipper. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I, I've seen his greatness. He's a leader. He's a game changer. He will elevate any team he plays on. He's, he's Magic Johnson numbers-wise for his career. 19 points, 9 assists, 3 steals, and his teams win. But Magic's six foot nine, and Magic's got five rings. And Chris is just too short to get to the finals. It's a shame. He's really that good, but it's not going to happen. They're, they're a little bit 
They're a great regular season team. Monty Williams has them defending their butts off. They share the basketball. Booker's legitimate score. Chris Paul's made DeAndre Ayton a factor. And they've assembled a team that, that really wants to win. It's a great staff. Willie Green uh, is his lead assistant, who's a stud. I mean, I talk to him all the time. That They're just, they want it. They're not good enough in the playoffs to get past the second round. So there's just not enough star power there. But that's okay. Oh. I like that they finish second. <laughs> Let's keep the Clippers at three. Let yeah. the Lakers fall to six. And let's get rid of one of those giants on on the jazz route to the championship. Yeah, I like that scenario. As far as Chris Paul, different player, but in terms of the height issues, how does it relate to Donovan Mitchell? Donovan's got great length. Therein lies lies a difference. Donovan at six three or whatever he is, wingspan of six eight or nine is a finisher. He's got great length and strength. Chris is not long. So Dwayne Wade was long. Dwayne Wade mm-hmm. felt like Donovan, right? They're they're same body types. Athletic, okay. long. Dwayne Wade almost seven foot wingspan. That's why he played like he was six seven. Donovan uh-huh. plays that way too. But Donovan's so much better this year than he was last year. For sure. And last year he was pretty darn good. We saw what he did in the playoffs, but he's so much better. There there's such a there's such a, a slowing down of the game that's occurring to him. We can't do it easily, PK, because we we always see the present, right? It's even true with yourself. Like, I'm not saying you. I'm just saying any of us looking at ourselves, we don't look back and see who we were four years ago, five years ago, or or in our athletic history, our infancy when we started out, right? Think back to Donovan rookie year and all those spin moves and all those leaners and, 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 and all those shots that were like remarkable to see, but then followed up the next year by all the times he forced them. Like it was like he discovered Pandora's box, like, oh, gosh, I'm longer than all these guys. And so when I get in the paint, I can go in here and lean and do these little one-handed leaners. And, and then the next year, the league kind of figured it out. And they're like, okay, when he gets in the lane, he's going to that move because the league's smart. And scouts are smart, and coaches are smart. And then the next year, Donovan evolves and matures. And, you know, you, you hit a 50-point game, and all of a sudden your mind says, you mean I can do that? I'm going to go do that. Uh-huh. But I just watched him this year. You're watching him. He's yeah. so much better. No question. His three-point shot is better. All of his numbers are career best. So all of his numbers, points, rebounds, assists, but the only thing that's not, I think, is his field goal percentage maybe. is a little tick down. But three-point percentage, career best. And that's hard to do. It's hard to increase your scoring every four years on a team that's built the way that Jazz is, right? It's not, uh-huh. not a one-man show. It's this, it's this multifaceted, you know, free-flowing movement of pick-and-rolls and slides and three-point kickouts. And it's not like they run plays for Donovan. He's really good. So, yeah, I mean, height's an issue, but he plays much bigger than he is. Mm-hmm. Mike, thanks for coming on this morning. Appreciate it. Anytime, my friend. I'll be back, I think, uh, maybe like three, four games. I'll be there for a slew, maybe, I don't know, 10 to 12 the rest of the way, and then all the playoffs. And 
Oh, cool. And and hopefully next year full time. So I'm I'm fired yeah. up. I've loved this team from my days as a college kid at BYU, and I'm watching Frank Layden first coach, and then Sloan, and you know the days of Stockton and Malone, and it's just a great franchise. I'm super excited about where they're headed. All right, thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Anytime. That's Mike Smith, longtime jazz broadcaster. Fascinating to how he got in the business and how he worked his way up. And he's going to be doing a bunch of jazz broadcasts uh, down the rest of the way. And then for the what we anticipate and hope is a long playoff run. Thanks to Mike Smith for joining us. Coming up next, 7 o'clock hour is about to get underway. What is trending? Who's in the Final Four? What's going on in the NBA? Jazz got a game tonight. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. I think I'm getting more and more comfortable. Obviously, offensively, you know, my teammates are doing a, a great job looking for me even more, and uh, and it's on me to, you know, to, to be a better playmaker and, and finisher around the rim for my team. And I put a lot of work in every day to, to get better, and uh, and I know that, you know, in the playoffs, it's going to be huge for me to, to be dominant out there. And obviously, defensively, you know, I think, you know, I keep raising my level and try to keep raising the team level defensively every single day to, you know, when it's, when it's playoff time uh, for us to be at our best defensively. That, of course, is Rudy Gobert. Yeah, I like when he talks, man, because he understands the task at hand. You know, he's there defensively and get better offensively. And as his teammates find him, which is one of the things that he's wanted, and Dennis Lindsay talked about that uh, last year, and then it's on to Rudy to be better around the rim, to find ways to put the ball in a basket and all those types of things. And you know, it's, a, it's certainly an added scoring punch when he does that. There's no question about that. But uh, he's a man who has a lot of conviction and a lot of determination to be as good as he could possibly can be. And for the Jazz perspective and for you as a fan, that is good news. The Jazz are in Memphis tonight, 35-11. and 11. They take on Memphis for the third time in four games. Six o'clock is tip-off time here, and coverage will begin in the zone. With our man Tim Lacombe and Jake Scott right here at 5 o'clock with Jazz Game Night pregame show. And they had a little bit of an issue. I'm sure you've heard about it by now. Yesterday, they went to take off uh, early afternoon and the plane had some collisions with birds. And then came back. Of course, that causes some problems with the engines and fires and failures and all that stuff. So they turned around. And in the course of that, Somewhat of an interesting development. I don't have any news as far as details of what's going on. Donovan Mitchell was on the plane, as we understand, but then when it landed and took off again, he was not on the plane. So he will be excused tonight for personal reasons. He will not play. He missed a couple of games. I think it was with Dallas, if I remember correctly, earlier this year. and have to double-check that, but they had that little two-game series at home. And Dallas was in a real bad spot at that time. I think yeah, Donovan was in concussion protocol, if I remember correctly. You are and correct. So he, yeah, so he didn't play. So uh, that's a blow, obviously. He, and he's been playing at just a tremendously elite level. There's no doubt about that. But he's excused, and he's not going to be there for this game. So the Jazz got to find a way 
to win without him. We'll see what they can do. Okay, let's move on to the NBA. Hashtag NBA. Gordon Hayward, pull up from 15, knocks it down. Gordon Hayward's first points of the second half, and he now has 20. Campazzo whips the pass the front court to Barton. No look pass. Porter got two hands. 27 for MPJ. Out front for the Suns. Chris Paul giving it to Booker. Had a look, but couldn't get the shot up. Now backs away for three. Shazam! Three-pointer by D. Booker. Late night in the NBA, the Suns were in a little bit of a battle with the Hawks down to the end, but they made some shots. The Hawks didn't, and so the Suns get out of there at home with a 117-110 win as they remain in second place. I think it's a week from tonight that the two teams play each other. Looking forward to that game. Let me double-check that. That's a week from tonight, right? I, I had looked earlier and saw that that's what it was, but I've got their... They don't put out the pocket schedule anymore. That world has ended. Yeah, yeah it's all it's... about to just go on the uh, your app, and away you go. Yes, one week from tonight. That's right. It's an eight o'clock game. The Jazz and the Suns down in Phoenix. I think it is there. Right. That's an away game. Yep, down and in Phoenix. So, yep. Yeah, and that's a ESPN game too. So it'll be. Uh, a game to look forward to a little bit, uh, see where the Suns are, because they beat the Jazz earlier this year, fourth game of the season. So we'll get to that next week. Uh, Nuggets, uh, Michael Porter Jr., 27-12. and 12. You know, I had Mike Smith on, Jazz uh, broadcaster, and uh, he was saying that he thinks that Porter can be a real difference maker rather than Aaron Gordon. And Porter, when he's playing like that, it makes them really tough. But so far with Aaron Gordon, they're 2-0. and So we'll see how that goes for the Nuggets. We'll be watching that. They beat the Sixers. And then, of course, I look in the Sixers, and Embiid's not playing. It seems like, man, he misses a lot of games. Uh, the Magic. The Magic, man. The Magic that were left for dead. Go and beat the Clips. Listen to the uh, end of that game out on the radio there, and that was a surprise. As far as that goes, I didn't see the Clippers losing that game uh, by any stretch to the Magic, but the Magic play very well. And if you look at the Clippers, you go, okay, who didn't play? All right, well, you got Rondo still hasn't gotten there, I guess. Uh, Patrick Beverly uh, didn't play. And then, of course, our guy Paul George didn't play. So that maybe explains a little bit. They certainly were a big-time shorthanded. Kawhi Leonard played. But uh, two or three guys that, well, two starters possibly. If you consider Beverly a starter, we'll see what Ty Lue does with that lineup. And they started Reggie Jackson and Luke Kennard at guards. They didn't play that poorly in terms of scoring. They didn't shoot the ball that well. Uh, like a combined uh, 12 for 34. So I guess you can give them a little bit of a pass there since they didn't have their lineup. Uh, Lou Williams, who was traded, said he seriously considered retiring. I had a lot of investments there. Not, uh, I don't think he's talking literal uh, real estate or whatever, just emotion and equity, that type of thing. We had success. We were gearing up for another deep run, a championship run. That was my mentality. I thought I would finish the season there. Yeah, I can understand that because that was a surprise, uh, Lou Williams going from uh, the Clippers to the Hawks. Uh, Andre Drummond, he's going to start right off the bat, man, tonight. 
the Lakers and replace uh, Andre Drummond, or excuse me, replace Mark Gasol in the lineup. And I'm interested to see what that means for the Lakers because Drummond put up some decent stats along the way. Uh, and what does that mean? You know, I can't really say. Now they're playing the Bucks, and that game is on uh, ESPN at eight o'clock. Right about the time the Jazz game getting ready to end, you can flip over and see what you got going there as far as that goes. Suns are at the Bulls. Uh, well, the Bulls are at the Suns, excuse me, because the Bulls come into town over the weekend. See what's, uh, what's up with that. All right, that's your NBA right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Hashtag college basketball. The quest for perfection moves to the final four. 30 and 0 Gonzaga is headed to the final four for just the second time in school history. Dickinson is going to inbound. Takes the basketball. Dickinson looking, fires it in. Wagner turns, fires a three for the win. No good. Off the back of the rim. And UCLA has won it from the first four to the final four. UCLA 51, Michigan 49 for the 19th time in school history. The first since 2008. The Bruins are going to the Final Four. So there you go. Gonzaga and UC Los Angeles on their way to the Final Four. The Gonzaga Bulldogs. Is that one of those things when you say the quest for perfection? It has to be the quest. It can't be the try. It can't be the run. It's like disaster. If you use the word disaster, or if you use the word unmitigated, what is next? Every time you use the word unmitigated, does disaster have to follow? An unmitigated success? Yeah, that doesn't really work. It's always an unmitigated disaster. Ominous clouds. Words that have to go together. The quest for perfection. That was the big thing with Bronco years ago at BYU football. T-shirts were there. The quest for perfection. Gonzaga sure looked good. For sure, the world is seeing, I believe, what we know. That they have got an awesome team. They've got an awesome coach. And they, I picked them to win it. I see no reason why they don't win it. I mean, they obviously got two more games to go. But when you look at Timmy and uh, you can go through and Kispert and Suggs and Ayaye and Nimhard and Watson, blah, 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 blah. He's got a really good team. <laughs> No other way to say it. And they just took SC right out of the game early. That thing was over in a hurry, man. Wow. Very, very impressive. They've had some impressive wins this season, and I think that might have been the most impressive on the biggest stage when they're getting the most attention. You would think, anyway. At least it was for me as I watched that. But I've been impressed with them for years now, especially this season. I don't think they get beat. And then that ruined game over Michigan. Uh, man, you see Los Angeles couldn't buy a basket early. It was like six, seven minutes. It seemed like it was stuck on four forever. They got job done, clamped down on defense, and Michigan is out as a number one seed. The 11 seed goes in. So, looking forward to that. What, what is that uh, Saturday, Monday? Is that, were they back yep, on the traditional Saturday, schedule? Monday, traditional format, yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, I'll be paying attention to that for sure, particularly with these two teams here. The one note on Saturday, though, is it's a mid-afternoon and an evening game rather than two evening games as they've been normally. Okay. All right, well, play ball when we get there. Yeah, you've got uh, Baylor versus Houston here. You've got it written down at 314. Or, yeah, 314. This is our time, I assume. 
then Gonzaga Correct. and UCLA at 6.34 Saturday day and night. Uh, looking forward particularly to that latter game. Baylor and Houston, uh, I don't really care about that one. I mean, I don't care who wins either, any of these games. But my interest is much more in the second game than in the first game. And we're in the transfer portal season. Riley Batten, I assume that there was some type of meeting with Craig Smith and he decided to come back. So he's going to return for the Utes, so that's good news for them. And then BYU, it's the old Kyle, well, not the old Kyle Whittingham line, but the Kyle Whittingham line in which he said when his receivers uh, were leaving the program, the transfer portal giveth and the transfer portal taketh, as he went biblical. And BYU, that's in their situation, as Wyatt Lowell, who has had injuries in his, what, two seasons with the Cougars? Correct. And... Uh, Colby Lee is out the door. Now, Colby Lee, uh, he was a starter earlier in the year, and then it, uh, not only did he not start, it just was reduced to DNPCD, did yeah. not play coach's decision. Glued to the so, bench. So he fell off. And that's why you got to take what Mark Pope says, I think, with a little bit uh, of a grain of salt and have some skepticism, because I can remember him saying when uh, last year it was Lowell and Baxter, uh, big men who were out just like it was this year, uh, ironically enough, if that's irony. It's a tragedy for both of those kids getting hurt, not being able to play. I can remember Pope saying that Colby Lee is going to be so good. He's going to surprise you, blah, 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 blah. And there he is sitting at the end of the bench when the season ends and it's most important time of the year. He's not playing. So you can build up the guys, but you got to be careful that uh, guys like me are going to remember what you say. And I can remember him specifically telling us how great Colby Lee was going to be. And it turns out that's not the case. And then, of course, Jesse Wade and Connor Harding had already announced they were going to leave the program. Now, for the Utes, we will have their new basketball coach joining us in just about two hours, a little less than two hours. Craig Smith, University of Utah men's basketball coach, will be on with myself. Uh, DJ's off today. Uh, probably going to be out tomorrow. We'll have an announcement on that coming forward. Uh, Craig Smith going to be joining us at 9 o'clock. That's your college basketball right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Hashtag NFL. We're still within the 20-game format. That was something that was important to the NFLPA, and that was part of the structure of our CBA. What we're looking to do here is taking the data, and actually the data, the highest rate of injury is actually in a preseason game. So they want more money, and they're going to tell us that that's what the data shows, right? All right, fine. Whatever, man. As a sports fan, more power, more games. I'm, I'm, I'm into it. Uh, so that's Roger Goodell talking about adding that 17th game. Some players, who they agreed to it a year ago, I guess. And then now you've some, some players have come out and complained. Though, so they'll reduce a preseason game, which certainly I'm fine with, and then have the extra game. Uh, and they'll have the one bye week. Now, you wonder what's going to happen there because if teams are in a situation where their playoff spot is completely and totally solidified, obviously those main starters are not going to play that 17th game anyway. So is that uh, tends to – no, it's not going to be all that. There's going to be teams that they're going to be fighting for playoff berths, but the teams who have it set up probably are going to rest guys So because they already do that as it is. If they've got that in 16. So more football that mount that counts and matters from a fan perspective is good. I just hope there's not the injury perspective there. I guess we'll have to have uh, several years of data before we can figure that out. And also speaking to reporters, after the first of a two-day virtual meeting 
of owners, Commissioner Roger Goodell, said, All of us in the NFL want to see every one of our fans back. Football is simply not the same without them. We expect to have full stadiums in the upcoming season. That would be a great news, right? Uh, the league never established uh, a attendance cap while playing during the heart of the COVID in this past season, deferring instead to individual teams in conjunction with the state and local regulations. Attendance dipped and more than 90% compared to 2019, and a total of 1.2 million fans were included in the attendance counts for the entire regular season and, of course, the postseason. Now, that makes sense that they took that big of a hit, and we all hope it's back to normal. But I guess we have to hear what uh, those people say who are in government positions, if you're so into that and believe they, they know what they're talking about. Former Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields notched an unofficial 4-4-4 time in the 40. Wow, man, he is fast. And he showed off his arm. Sensational. I wonder what uh, certain people say about that. I'm looking forward to uh, hearing the experts evaluate that one. That's your NFL 97.5-1280 The Zone. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Baseball goes dark today. Spring training, the games are officially over. How about that? No more spring training. It went by so fast, didn't it? Today's the last day of March. Yeah, Correct. Okay. So uh, the season starts tomorrow. You're going with MLB. Spring is in the air. The weather's supposed to be good this weekend. In northern Utah, the birds will be chirping. Home Depot will be packed. There you go. And... Things remain the same. Mike Trout of the Angels consensus betting favorite to win the MVP at two to one odds. Following uh, that, of course, is the American League. Uh, Alex Bregman of the Astros. Uh, so there, he's a second at eleven to one. And Aaron Judge of the uh, Yankees, twelve to one, and Cleveland's Jose Ramirez, uh, fourteen to one. Oshani. 20 to 1. We'll see about that. Hopefully for him, he can keep himself healthy. Now, you don't have American League, but I would think uh, Fernando Tatis would be up there. We'll see if Bryce Harper can get going. He's got one MVP a few years back when he was with the Washington Nationals. My pick, mark this down, Yach. Get back to me in October. Okay. My pick for National League MVP, Corey Seager, shortstop for the Dodgers. That's he stays healthy. He's absolutely going to be in the mix. I mean, he, I, I watched uh, some spring training ball, and man, it seemed like every game I watched, he was just mashing. I think he had eight home runs in March. You know, we'll see. It doesn't matter once the season starts tomorrow, but to me, he's a great player. So both MVP awards going home to L.A. with the Angels and the Dodgers, then, in your opinion. Yeah, except I don't consider the Angels L.A., but that's I, just I'm I'm with you. I, my wife's from Orange County, and she says the fact that they're named the Los Angeles Angels will forever irk her. Yeah, that's uh, I mean, that's like, you know, it's not uh, Meridian State. It's Boise State. <laughs> exactly, yeah. You know what I mean? It's, you know, an hour removed from being in L.A., but yeah. you know. No, Meridian is closer to that, but uh, that's the only one I could think of that had a, had a name to it. So, uh, yeah, UC Los Angeles. It's not in Riverside because you know what that is? That's UC Riverside. Yes, UC Riverside. Yeah. Or our favorite community in the Southland, San Bernardino. As I say, yeah, UC San Bernardino. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tampa Bay Bay's first baseman. We know him, Choi. He played. We saw him. G-Man Choi. He's going to undergo Scarborough sur- surgery on his right knee. Expected to be sidelined for maybe a month, month and a half. So, and I already said spring training is opening tomorrow. I'm excited. Or spring training actually ends over yesterday, and the regular season starts tomorrow. So I'll be watching some baseball tomorrow, some real baseball, as they have a flood of games on television. All right, I said you, Chris, Craig Smith is going to be joining us at 9:05 at 8:30 on every Wednesday. We have Tim Lacombe, Utah Jazz radio, uh, radio studio analyst, and of course he was. Assistant coach and staff member at the Utah uh, Jobs, and he, he knew about Craig Smith. As far as I can tell, he had it first on Twitter. Now, I don't know that that's for sure. I know those Twitter wars now to see who has it first and all that stuff. Not like you get anything more for that. If you got more money, that'd be great. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There is no job too big or too small. Get a personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. You can call them. The phone number for Shamrock Pummeling is 801-295-1690. 295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up next, I gave you who is the guest. We're going to have a special guest going to be joining us here at the bottom of the hour. So stay with us on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back in. 97.5, 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK. DJ is off. Right now, what is trending? It's brought to you by... Well, Shamrock Plumbing, because I already told you that. Yeah, just make sure you're paying attention. And I also need to tell you that hot takes or toast. The question of the day is brought to you by Jerry Signer Cadillac. At Jerry Signer Cadillac, you can shop your way and get a piece of luxury you deserve. Sign up and test drive one today. So we've got a piece of luxury right now that we, I'm not sure we deserve but we got it. Luxury is here upon us. I'm going to introduce to you, you know him, you hate him. His name is Gordon Monson. Gordon Glenn Monson. He went by GG growing up. Good morning, GG. How are you? <laughs> Not true, but uh, I'm doing well. Thank you very much. I appreciate the intro there. <laughs> you know him, you hate him. All right, well, <laughs> yeah, that's just my family members. <laughs> Well, yeah, all 40 of them just yell down the hall. I'm sure they'll respond. <laughs> Bed and breakfast here. Yeah, that's for sure. But how uh, you doing, PK? Good to join oh, you. I am at the prime of my life. I've never felt better. So you've <laughs> offloaded uh, DJ for, for a few days. Uh, you feeling good? Oh, yeah. I'm feeling down and dirty, <laughs> feeling kind of mean. I've been from one to the other extreme. Oh, here we go. <laughs> you know, I was talking to Jake about coming on with you this morning, and he, Jake said, you know, when I go on with PK, he's so mean to me, you know. <laughs> and I said, well, I don't really want to hear it. Come on. <laughs> of course, you're speaking of Jake Scott, 
who you can hear with Gordon every day from 2 to 6 on the big show right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Absolutely. A lot of stuff to talk about. I got a, In the next segment, I got a special little segment, and I'm calling it the Ask Gordon Monson Anything You Want segment. Oh. And you, you have to answer. Okay. Right. So you can – I put this on Facebook. We got some response, so I've got that. Uh, you can contact us. if you Whatever you want to know from Gordon, he's got to answer it. Wow. The full, I, got truth, I got the yeah. truth serum in me. I'm yes. going to lay down on the couch here, turn the meter on, and I'm ready. Absolutely. Uh-huh. The fully vaccinated Gordon Monson has got to come clean. He's got no worries in the world now. He is ready to go to handle anything and everything you've got. Man, I tell you, I did get that second shot yesterday in Moderna. And uh, I do feel it a bit. Uh, I feel like I've been kicked in the head a little bit. But, uh, yeah, feeling good, uh, ready to go, and glad to hope everybody gets taken care of in that regard. Uh, well, you're going to get kicked in the other side of the head right now. <laughs> I would expect no less. See, that'll, that'll balance out your head. And a lot of people say your head's been too big, so now we need to balance it out. <laughs> get a uh, okay. shot to the left, a shot to the right. All right, let me ask this question. Your head's going to be fine. Who's got the bigger head, PK or me? What You. How is that so conclusive? (laughs) What directions is sunrise, Gordon? Have you been listening to yourself for the past 28 years? I mean, you know. (laughs) Have I been listening to myself? I hear myself, but I don't listen. (laughs) That's a very good description. (laughs) (laughs) You know. Oh, okay, what's the difference? What's the difference between hearing and listening? Because I know that I am a blowhard. You think you're <laughs> profound. <laughs> yeah, I've had people tell me that before. I know somehow beyond all comprehension and against all the odds that I'm a blithering idiot, but yet I got a job <laughs> on the radio. You're not a blithering idiot. You, th- you think you're like Dr. Laura in, in the uh, <laughs> afternoons here, dispensing with critical pronouncements. That's the big difference. Well, I realize I am a big bag of hot air. <laughs> Wait a minute. You're the one that set this whole thing up. That we're going to ask me any question you want. I mean, Right, because it, it, I, mean... I figured that would be feeding right into you, who you are. I talked to Jake about having you on, and he said, oh, buddy, <laughs> I don't envy you. I pray for you tonight. That's what he told me. Oh, see, that hurts me now. You know, I got feelings, too. Uh, anyway, I, I, well, all right. I didn't mean to compare, you know, egos with you to see who's is bigger. I'm, but, uh, e- I'm egoless. <laughs> you can no, I, rock me. I don't care. You can take me just about anywhere. It doesn't matter. I need you tonight. In fact, I, I need want, you this morning. <laughs> I want all your listeners to know that I've been to concerts with you, and you are a rocker, man. And now you've got some country to you, which is fine. Jake complains about that. He thinks something's wrong, that something is short-circuited in your mind. But uh, <laughs> you're a lot of fun to go to a concert with. And, you know, I imagine maybe your listeners know that since you're constantly breaking out in song. Well, yeah, I mean, I, 
Yag, should I break out in uh, Cardi B's newest single? <laughs> Let's not. <laughs> Cardi B. Did you see that Cardi B was uh, complaining about Utah's new anti-porn law or something? What was that all about? Yeah, well, who knows what she's all about. I know that she did a one-on-one with your president. The guy who lived in the basement came out to do a thing with Cardi B, of all people. Yeah, I take I take most of my direction from athletes and celebrities. I mean, when I when they go political, I, whatever they say, I am going to do. You think that uh, Robert De Niro has a lot in common with you? Uh, it stops at the De Niro. He makes a lot of it, and I don't. Uh, but. Uh, <laughs> No, I mean, I mean those guys. I mean, they've got something to say, and they they they're leaders in our community. Mm. Uh, okay. I mean, when, Le, when LeBron James speaks, thus doeth PK. I mean, yeah, come on. I I have a column coming out. Uh, I think it will be posted sometime today about uh, Donovan Mitchell and his role, uh, not only as an athlete but as a, a person who has a, a, is a deep thinker. And uh, likes to, uh, you know, express his opinion about things. And I think that is, he. Uh, bottom line is, he'll be a leader both for the Jazz and for his generation for many years to come, I believe. But uh, anyway, uh, speaking Good of Donovan for him. Mitchell, he didn't He's go on the trip. speak at the University of Utah. Yeah, I got that here in a second. He's going to yeah. be the commencement speaker, the 24-year-old Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. Honestly, I am interested in him because he's a basketball player. I couldn't care less what he has to say politically. He's well. I don't know whether he's going to talk politically or whether uh, he's whatever going to, cause, he does. Cause, uh, whatever way he wants to lead doesn't matter to me. Go ahead, see, do what you want. He's, he's bigger than all that. PK. He's uh, donating to great causes right. uh, for education and, and you know, absolutely. So, so uh, you know, I've it doesn't have to always that. doesn't always have to center around politics. No, it doesn't. Uh, I, seems he seems to be the he, way of the world today. Yeah, well, everything, his, my friend. Money drives everything, and everything is political. Uh, maybe so. I mean, so you can't <laughs> open your mouth without saying something political. But uh, he, he's got a lot of good qualities sure he does. about uh, that, that I think a young generation, younger generation can learn from. And maybe older generations, too, like old dogs like me and you. Maybe we should listen to what the man has to say. So I, anyway. I, whatever he wants to say, it's, it's whatever he wants to say is just that is what he says. And he has every right to do what he's doing. And I'll support that right. I, I particularly, I'm going to lead my life the way I see fit, and I don't, I don't go by athletes or celebrities and what they have to say. That's well, I don't say. buy the same shoes that athletes do, <laughs> but if if somebody's making a good point, yeah, I'm going to listen to that. I don't I, care. I who don't it buy is any. Yeah, well, it's a good point, but that's just the point. Your political views determine whether it's a good point or not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway. Yeah, <laughs> apparently he didn't want to get on an airplane. I don't know if yeah. that's true. I don't know what that deal no. was all about. But PK, you've flown a lot in your. Well, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to get ahead of you here. But uh, you've flown a lot through the years. Have you ever had a, a situation where you were pretty scared on board? Uh, yes, but I didn't know to what extent. Now they had to take off again at the re- land because the thing had uh, birds. I've been in situations where uh, we've had to go back. I've been in situations for various reasons, health reasons on the plane, where somebody uh, just a couple years back, man, we take off, and the guy in front of me is down. 
Yeah. It was like yeah. it was an early morning flight. And so there wasn't a lot of people. I'm talking like 6 a.m. And he's one row in front of me, and he just goes down. And they're asking for medical people, and there was a little emergency landing there. That was scary. Now, obviously, I was fine, but the guy was literally one row ahead of me, so I was scared for that. And was he laying down in the aisle? He was draped over the armrest on the aisle. Okay. And it got because he was I, I want to say he was probably sitting in the middle because he was going to lay down because the flight was so stinking early. And he and he just tipped over to the right. Mm-hmm. So the armrest got him. And I can't remember the exact details, but of course, there's medical people uh, coming on the plane. And when they landed, we were told to sit, you know, and all that stuff as the medical people came on. And so that was scary here in the yeah. air and. It wasn't personally scary. Uh, you never had any. You never had any plane problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One time we were flying into Los Angeles, and we go to land, and we just go right back up. <laughs> so, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. What so was that about? Uh, I'm trying to remember, but uh, something they didn't uh, they didn't like the landing, or something was up, and. And so, yeah, so you're, you're descending, and, you know, you're just about ready to, you know, you hear that sort of thud sound on the wheels of the hitting the ground. And the next thing you know, we just start ascending as oh, if wow. we're taking off. So uh-huh. that was a little alarming as far as <laughs> – but, you know, you don't, I don't know what to extend. And I haven't been like a sully landing in the Hudson River yeah, where, yeah. I mean, that was extremely dramatic uh, mm-hmm. and all that. Flock of so, geese, right? So, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. One time I told this story on a big show, but uh, uh, I, when the Jazz were in the playoffs way back in the 90s, they were playing the Nuggets, uh-huh. and there were a bunch of us on a plane coming out of Denver back to Salt Lake City. A bowler was on that plane. I was on a bunch of people, a bunch of media guys and women were on that flight, and we took off out of Denver, and we're, uh, we're heading uh, over the mountain and all of a sudden, the guy sitting next to me says, do you smell that? And I said, smell what? He said, I, you smell, let something, go? I smell something burning. Uh-huh. <laughs> I said, hey, man, don't blame me. But there's burning <laughs> smell all through the cabin, and that's not a good sign. And no. uh, then, then without the pilot coming on the, uh, on the uh, intercom, the plane turns around. I and mean, you can tell, you know, we're heading back to the airport. And that was... That was a little frightening. It turned out oh, that it sure, was yeah. something was wrong with the with the filter system or something on the on the plane and got back safely. But I don't know if that's why Donovan. Do we know that? The, I don't know the he, reason. No. Yeah. Well, All I know is they said he's excused personal. for personal reasons. Yeah. So, but you know, to me, as you say earlier, he's been exemplary in a lot of different ways. So uh, he, in my mind, he earns the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Because he's a player and he shows up to play, so I don't know. I do not know the reason, but whatever it is, uh, I believe he's earned the benefit to where I don't think it's uh, where I'm going to question it and, and some crazy thing. I, I don't know because he's been there. He obviously loves to play. He's playing at such a high level. I, I, I feel bad for me <laughs> because <laughs> right now he's been playing well, and I was talking to a couple of guys in their seventies yesterday. And the one guy says, you know, the Jazz are so fun to watch play. 
And my wife, I think, is sort of a barometer in terms of she'll catch on in the postseason when it really matters. Sort of, she's not hardcore in the regular season, but she's been watching them more and more in the regular season because of the fun nature of which they've been playing. Yeah. And he's been right there at the forefront of that. So how do you think they do without him tonight against Memphis? Well, you know how it is because you've seen enough of these games that occasionally when a star player is out, uh, the rest of the crew sort of uh, rallies and uh, comes through. But uh, but I don't know. I thought this game was going to be difficult anyway because it's tough beating the team three times in, in this short amount of time. So we'll see how the Jazz react to that. But you're right. They are fun to watch. Yeah, I, One thing, everyone, it seems like, and I wrote a comment about this as well, and we've talked about it and you've talked about it, you know, the whole thing, uh, people are observing the Jazz, and a lot of folks like Doc Rivers are saying, no, it's the Lakers and the Clippers in the West. And, Can and you I believe understand. Glenn said that? <laughs> Glenn. Come on. Doc Rivers. Whatever. And anyway, uh, so he, he, uh, he said what he said. But I think a lot of people think that, and they think the Jazz are kind of sweet to watch right now but it won't hold up and so what i think is going to happen that i think it is it can hold up but it's up to the jazz to sustain it through difficult situations in the playoffs and they haven't really proved it in the past and so this year it's a whole new thing and i think all this attention that they're getting now whether it's pro or con whether they're believers or or uh unbelievers uh, it's uh, the pressure is going to rise as as well, the season goes on, and as we don't the have... more success, the more success they have, the more pressure they're going to have to face, and that's that's when we'll see if those twenty uh, four yeah. footers are going to drop. Well, sure, yeah, we don't have any unbelievers, as you say on our show. We're all believers. <laughs> We're men and women of faith. Okay, so right. we save the unbelievers for your show. The people in the morning, they're believers. And that's why they love listening to you so much. We're not a band of brothers. We're a band of believers. Okay. Isn't that right, Brother Hatch? Absolutely. Yeah. Bieber believers? We no, are not Bieber believers. believers, no. On our show, we're believers. So take your faithless drivel and get out of here. Faithless All right. drivel. Uh, Pastor Kinahan. Amen, brother. We believe. I suspect that they'll make up the difference tonight. Uh, they've got players who can make it up. They've got scoring punch. Uh, Clarkson, Bogdanovich, man, he basically hasn't given you jack for a good long while. So yeah. if he can find a way to put the ball in a basket, he can offset Donovan Mitchell. And and I get that. You know, the, the whole thing with Glenn Rivers, the two L.A. teams, <laughs> uh, I would sort of let that seep out to the Jazz. We had a Mike Smith, and he does the – pregame and post and halftime for the Jazz. And he's going to be doing more games, and then he's on board the entire time for the playoffs. He was telling us he hasn't been doing as much this year because he flies in and with the pandemic and all that stuff. But uh, he'll be here for the postseason. And he's been around the league. He played a little bit, obviously, at BYU and played with the Celtics. And then he went into broadcasting uh, fairly young. And so he's been been a broadcaster in this league, I think, for uh, approaching – well, over 30 years, actually, because I think he started in the late 80s. When I was down there and covering the Clippers, he got the job. And so, anyway, he was talking about how he, st- he spoke to Steve Kerr. He said the night before they played the Jazz, and, and he asked Steve, you know, what he thought. And Steve 
said that, uh, yeah, he, he said that he this team reminded him of his first Warriors team in terms of the shooting and the passing and all that stuff. Now, that Warrior team, if I remember correctly, went all the way. Uh, so we're not saying that. And, yeah, they do have to prove it in the postseason. But, you know, people say they, they haven't won anything. And then it's hard to argue on that they haven't. But they've had some postseason experience. And some of it has been successful. And a lot of it has been bitter. And this is a veteran team, though. So it's outside of Mitchell, is only 24. But he's in fourth year. And he's basically had the keys to the car for all four years. So even though he's only a three-and-a-half, three-and-three-quarter veteran, he is someone who has a lot of experience in uh, big situations. So if, if they lose, if they don't win at all, you know, that's still an outstanding task to expect them. I don't think that it'll be because they completely and totally failed in the postseason. Sometimes you get beat because the other team is pretty good and they beat you. So we'll have to see the complexion of the losses when and if they come. Yeah, how deep and, do they have to go to satisfy the expectation? Uh, that, that's a good question. Yeah, well, Mitchell was on record as saying getting out of the first round. Joe Ingles, right. after the Washington loss, said, what do we want here? Do we want to be competing for a title? And I'm paraphrasing. Well, do we want to be com- competing for the title? Do we want to get out of the first round? That is the streak when they were, had lost four or six that began late February and then spilled over into March earlier this month, and he laid it out there. So, yes, obviously, if you lose in the first round, you're going to have a very difficult justification to spin that any which way outside of an extreme bitter negative. I understand that. But second and third rounds, you know, let's see how it goes first. I don't think their inexperience of having success is going to be the cause. I think that – there's any number of reasons why you lose, but I don't think it's well they haven't been there before. Because even though they haven't been there, I think Conley's played in the conference final uh, and the other guys haven't, but they've been there. They've been knocking on the door, and they're a veteran team. they got uh, guys in their 30s, uh, middle to late 20s, and then Mitchell bringing it up at 24, and he's your best offensive player. So excited to see what they do. Game time tonight at 6 o'clock. Our pregame with Jake Scott and Tim Lacombe will get underway right at 5 o'clock here on The Zone. All right, coming up next, the Monson segment. Anything you want to ask, you can ask. You can get us on Twitter. You can call. I have no idea what the phone number is. Yock, you can give it out if you want. 855-340-ZONE, 855-340-9663. Okay, there it is. And I've already got some questions lined up. He has to answer them, and I'm gonna, we're going to hold him accountable right now. Wow. After these, like no, we're going to talk about No, you've got to answer. Whatever the question is, you've got to answer it. You are on the spot where you live normally. The Monsonian Institute is going to be right here before you. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. John Hartwell, athletic director at Utah State. Knowing that Mark and the University of Utah were talking to some other people, you know, I, I, I don't know that you ever rest easy immediately following the season, but I felt a little bit better about our opportunity to retain Craig. But, uh, you know, Craig and I had a great working relationship and a great friendship, which obviously that will carry on. But it's a little bit of a, of a gut punch, if you will. But, hey, you know, it's also an opportunity 
opportunity for us. It's an opportunity to continue to build on that success. And, you know, it does not take long in this world for many people to start reaching out to you, whether it's, you know, coaches directly, agents, you know, people who you know in the business. So um, great, great interest already. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on this Wednesday morning. DJ and PK, David James Sniggledorf III is not with us. I'm PK, and who is with us? Well, as I said earlier, Gordon Monson. You know him, you hate him. Some of you love him. Come on, admit. He's a lovable dude. He's joining me, PK, this morning with the OG show. The OGs are doing a few segments together this morning. Gordon, now is the time for all good men and women to find out what is going on in your world, what makes you tick. If you've got any questions, Gordon will answer them, I promise you. And, of course, Gordon, first question is, how are you hanging on? Where are you? <laughs> not in San Bernardino, I'll tell you that. It's not a place I would want to be. But uh... What's wrong with San Bernardino? I don't know. It's not, not well. I mean, it's fine. It's good for who it's for. It's the home of Brian Russell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess if you want to live way in the outskirts of L.A., it's all right. Well, not everybody. You know, how are you hanging on? Front. Where are you? Oh, I'm in uh, San Bernardino right now. <laughs> Still the ultimate legend. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've heard a couple of DJs. Long-winded questions that had to rival that. Uh, in terms of length, yeah. The thing, and y'all can back me up on this, the thing that infuriates me is with him with the Internet and computer, it is so just dangerous because we'll be in something. Uh, and he always gets, he usually gets the, well, he always gets the first question, and a lot of times he gets the last. And I'll ask question one or two, and then he'll turn around and repeat the question, the, the same question, just different words. This does happen. <laughs> yeah, with a fairly frequent, yeah. on a fairly frequent basis. Now, is that because he thinks he can pose it better than you, no, or he wasn't he's not listening? No, he's he's yeah. literally like examining something on social media, and then, yeah. oh, my turn. He's addicted oh, okay. to that stuff. Yeah, can I mean, he, I stopped following him on Twitter. He he posts five thousand things a day, and. He's, he's cluttering it up, so he clicked unfollow <laughs> there. So, okay. uh, of all the reasons to stop following someone, being a little bit too uh, too uh, eager is kind of an interesting reason. To... Well, I, I have other reasons too, but and I'm not on social media nearly as much as he is. Yeah. So he just lives. He loves it. That's what he does. So good for him. But other than that, so uh, I don't. I still think. His his one is when he uh, uh, accused Debbie of being a man. That's <laughs> that, that's, that's what I put on his golf ball. So uh, once and once uh, you once don't really sound like a Debbie. Well, I've been one for a long time. All right, <laughs> what a great answer. It really was Debbie was sharp. Yeah, <laughs> I got to give her credit. <laughs> what? what, what, what what was DJ thinking? Uh, the story was the producer put the name, and he thought that he put the wrong name because back in those days when we were at, I think it was when we were at 1320, and you could, uh, on the call screener list, it had the person's name, 
and it said Ter- uh, Debbie, and he thought that <laughs> it was a confused producer <laughs> that he meant Tony or something. I don't know the name, but he thought. <laughs> well, he heard her talk. I mean, she I, she's, yeah, I she sounded like a Debbie. Maybe, maybe who knows? Maybe he was. On the internet, I don't know. Uh, it, to me, it sounded like a sexy Demi, a Debbie too, not just a Debbie, <laughs> but a sexy Demi. Okay. Yeah, I like the raspy voices. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, the, the, the raspier, the better. All right. Okay. Uh, question: Why does Gordon hate Scotty G so much? Uh, see, just be, PK, you'll be able to relate to this. I. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you have you heard what's going on with Scotty getting the uh, getting his feelings hurt because I I talked with him uh, about uh, Craig Smith and you're going to have him on the show later, right? Yes. So so uh, I was I was talking to different people about Craig Smith and and most of the column was you know favorable uh, and whatnot, but there were, I did say that he had lied to his players a little bit, if that might be a strong word, but he told his players earlier in the week that he wasn't going anywhere, he was going to stick around. So there was a little bit of edge to it. So I told the story about him doing the coach's show in a, in a closet space and the fact that Craig Smith wanted to go ahead and do it, even though they were all crammed in there, was uh, a sign of his enthusiasm. So I told the okay. story, but I didn't name Scotty by name. I said a broadcaster, the show host. And so he he uh, he sent out a tweet that said, the broadcaster has a name, Gordon. So, so why they, they, they see that as disrespect. I saw it as protecting... Uh, him and others I had talked to, not wanting to tie anything that I was writing <laughs> to that individual. So I was, I was really taking care of him. Okay, but you named him though without naming him. What's yeah, the difference? Yeah. It's different when you put the actual name in there. The, a think. broadcaster, you know, there's only one person who does the coach's <laughs> show. Yeah, but it's different when you actually have the name. In actually, there. there's no, two. It's not. We've had Ajay Salveson fill in a time or two. Okay, so. that was uh, <laughs> uh, under trying circumstances. Yes, I know. So I two people. Scotty. No, nobody cares about person that. person A or person B. You weren't exactly protecting an- anonymity here. Uh, I, I thought I was a little bit. Oh, I call time, BS but... on you. In fact, no. I, and, and I would cancel you, actually. <laughs> no, no, I have a tremendous respect for Scott Gerard. And uh, next Apparently time, not we'll... enough. Well, no, I'm, I'm going to be like Keith Olbermann. If you screw up, I'm calling for you to be fired. Keith, <laughs> he must call for people to be fired. Of course, it's one side of the aisle that he's calling for people to be fired. Over here, no, they're all great people, and where would we be without them? Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I I didn't think I screwed up. I just was trying to protect my guy. So uh, anyway, did you apologize? Uh, there, there was a there is a, a there was a miscommunication. So I next time. I'm putting Scotty's name front and center. So, all right. Okay. Rob asks, how many of his Monsonian stories are true? Almost all of them. This well, is. See, once you say almost, then we've got to yeah, figure out which I, ones I, are and which ones aren't. No, I told a fib about about a hockey play that, that was straight out of the movie The Mighty Ducks, and that was a fib, and I, and I talked about I had another hockey story that was kind of a fib, but it was it was really – Making a joke out of okay, this is so preposterous that it, it is uh, it is untrue because I always claim that everything I say is true, but those are like two of the times 
out of the thousands and thousands of stories I've told that were that were fabricated. Oh yeah, I guess it's a difference between where you went to school and I went to school. Because (laughs) if I told Walter Cronkite, if you told one (laughs) that was false, then it doesn't matter. Yeah, but it was all, it was all it was done yeah. on purpose because yeah. I knew that our listeners knew the plot of the movie and it was it was a joke and I saw so I was just sort of trying to be funny, but all the other stories I've told are absolutely true, and uh, you know, uh, Jake and, and Austin don't believe me, but it it's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this one is going to get your goat big time, oh, and boy. you'll get all defensive and get irritated, which is why I love it. David asks, how many closets of BYU gear does he actually own? Storage units count as well. <laughs> well, I would uh, I would just about say something that Joe Ingles almost said on your show. Uh, <laughs> or he uh, has <laughs> said on the show that Joe, had to be Joe dumped. sworn like multiple times on our show. Yeah. That's the funny thing about Joe is he gets going, and that's a great thing about Joe. He doesn't treat it as a radio interview. He treats it as a conversation. And I've been with Joe – and we've all been there in casual conversation where something slips because it's just the way it is. Joe forgets, literally, that he's on the air. He thinks he's just talking to friends on the phone sometimes, <laughs> and he's gotten a little loose. <laughs> yeah, that's the beauty of it, really. I agree. I think, yeah, his, uh, his occasional slip of the tongue is totally acceptable for that very reason. Yes. Now, I'm, not, I'm not the FCC, but uh, I, you know, I, have said, I have said the word that I wanted to say when I heard that on the air one time, and it, uh, it well, uh, so rhymes, how many? With, uh, rhymes with bull spit. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I'll just say say it this way, man. I that is such a freaking joke. The people in Provo think I'm a Ute, and the people uh, who are hardcore Utes think I'm a Cougar. Think I'm freaking Cosmo, and it, it's just not true. Sorry, uh, sorry to disappoint, <laughs> but I, I am I am not a fan of any team. I do not favor hey, why one do you team have to, over another. Why do you have to be a fan if you have gear, though? That's I don't understand that. Why else would you have the gear? I've got gear. I've got a Utah baseball shirt. I've got Utah hats. I've got a BYU basketball long sleeve. It was a joke. Uh, I told them they hadn't won on the road, and I said, if you guys finally break through, I'll wear BYU gear on a plane trip. And so they beat somebody. I think they beat Colorado State. Sure enough, they gave me a hat and a long-sleeved shirt. And they made it. They made me wear it. I was on the flight with them. They made me wear it to uh, 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 TCU, so Dallas, which was the longest conference flight. Then I had to show up at the airport in the gear, and I remember Dave Rose's wife was laughing. It was it was fun. I, yeah, and you showed you showed up for your first practice covering the Utes uh, with Majerus. It wasn't with the first a BYU one. sweatshirt on. It right? wasn't the first one. Okay. No. It was well, after, uh, look, I'm not – I, I, I don't root – I got, I got plenty of gear. You don't have to root. I got all sorts of gear. I got hats for every team in the Pac-12. Yeah, see, I – well, I, I don't. And uh, sorry <laughs> to disappoint, but I don't uh, – I don't. But that doesn't do that. mean I you're mean, a fan. What? I, I, I have an SC and a UCLA hat. I'm not a fan of those schools. Oh, yeah, you hate SC. I got a fan. Uh, I've got a Lakers cap. I'm not a fan of – I got a Stanford cap. Well, Okay. All right. I do have a Notre Dame cap from I have one too. There. Uh but uh no, I don't uh, I don't have look, I have five daughters 
two of them went to, one of them went to Utah State. Two of them, uh, and the one that went to Utah State also got a nursing degree from Utah. And so, and then I have another daughter who went to Utah. And then I've had uh, two daughters go to BYU. So I've, you know, my daughter, and and they've played competitively for these schools. So why do you hate Utah Valley? (laughs) Just, uh, I think I had one daughter that might have gone there for a semester. Okay. uh, Why do you hate Weber then? What's your problem? Well, if I'd had nine daughters, maybe I would have sent one there. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's not over yet, is it? <laughs> it is over. <laughs> yes, it is over. Maybe grandkids. <laughs> Maybe that's. I don't know. I, well, well, I got gear from all sorts of stuff. I'm a fan of everybody. I want them all to win. The more winning, the better. That's the way I look at it. Go I Cougars! Care. I mean, I. Oh, here we go. Who uh, cares how wiener? <laughs> <laughs> what was that one? <laughs> Wrong one. Wrong <laughs> one. What? What was I saying? Oh, brother. Anyway, yeah, I'm not. Uh, that's you and I differ on that one a little bit. Uh, you have, uh, you have, uh, you're a fan of everybody, and I, I just, I, it, uh, I, I try not to allow myself. I'm not a fan in that. terms of the traditional fan, but I want them all to win. Let them all win. The more winning, the better it is. What the heck? Who cares? Yeah. I don't yeah. sweat wins and losses. They don't matter to me. It's all games. Yeah. Uh, so I don't. I'm, I'm. Let them all. Let the G. You don't want the Jazz to win the NBA Finals? I absolutely want the Jazz to win the NBA Finals. I think that would be good for the community. It would be awesome. Yeah, my neighbors would get a kick. They've been hardcore Jazz fans their whole life. Yach, you've been a Jazz fan your whole life, haven't you? Pretty much. Yeah. Let's go, man. That would be awesome. And plus, it would kind of thumb their nose at the league. Go Jazz! (laughs) Woohoo! That's that would really be cool. I would love to see the Jazz win a title while Gail Miller is still alive and can enjoy it. And thumbing your nose at the league, that's one thing I want to get to next. I want to get that with you, get your opinion on a on a subject that I think maybe the league needs to address. We'll hit that next. Stay with us. 975-1280-the-zone. I'll tell you about the warehouse. Join the big show. Friday, that's Jake Scott and Gordon Monson joining the Big Show Friday at the warehouse from 2 to 6 p.m. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Yuck. Boom. Boom. There you go, the Big Show Friday at the warehouse. You guys are doing, you do the warehouse just about every Friday, don't you, Gordon? Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a terrific place uh, that uh, it's very comfortable, you know. Jake good. falls asleep uh, nearly every time we <laughs> broadcast from there. That's, well, that's the only good. problem. Glad to hear about that. You know, one of the reasons, and Gordon Monson joining us, DJ's off, one of the reasons why I would love to see the Jazz win, obviously it would be good for the community. But I think for me, I've always viewed myself as the underdog, the little guy, you know, I tell you, I tell you, I get no respect, uh, that type of thing. Uh, So it would sort of thumb the nose at the big market teams. Even if I wasn't living here, uh, I think I would want to see the Jazz to win. And particularly – uh, this year because we've already discussed how fun they are just to watch them play. And basketball, to me, can be either really fun to watch or it could be boring, you know, pounding it in the pavement and being selfish as opposed to moving the ball around and hitting the open man, all that type of stuff. Athleticism off the charts when Mitchell's doing his weaving to the hoop and rising up and slam dunking and go bare block. And we all know the reasons why the Jazz are fun to watch. But, you know, one of the things I think might need to be addressed, I want to see what you thought, this buyout clause situation here. Now, we've gotten three 
prominent players in the league for a number of years, or maybe Drummond isn't a prominent player, but Blake Griffin and Aldridge are. So Drummond's going to go to the Lakers, and he's a center. He's bought out, and the Lakers get him on the cheap. He's going to start, and they play tonight against the Bucks and then the Nets. So the point being, two big market teams are benefiting from the buyout rules. Do you think that the NBA should change that up as far as what the buyout rules are so we don't have this situation? Because it doesn't seem like they're choosing the small market. They're choosing the big market teams, the teams that have a good opportunity to win the title. Is that fair for the league? Is it in the best situation of the NBA to have these buyouts? But, uh, well, <laughs> are the smaller market teams, uh, there are some great ones right now, the Jazz, uh, the way they're playing. Couldn't he have decided to do that if he was basing it on a chance at a title? Yeah, but he didn't. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> but I can see the uh, the guys in New York saying, okay, well, make yourself attractive so that uh, so the players don't want to go there. I think that Drummond is a nice pickup. Some Me people too. disagree disagree with me on no that. i agree with you yeah i, I think that's that's a big they don't deal. have anything so a halfway decent player <laughs> is going to be better than what they have yeah just keep the boat afloat until the, the big guns come back and and they will and the lakers will be formidable i believe at some point oh, if, of all the teams out there that can flip it on when they have everybody there it's the lakers and look they're the defending champs we know that is that an advantage i well, I mean, you could say the same thing maybe about free agency in general. You know, I mean, that seems to be the trend. I mean, how many big free agents have the Jazz ever signed? But when you were talking about the attractiveness of having a team like the Jazz win it all, were you so satisfied when the Spurs were winning multiple titles? To an extent. But, see, even they they got lucky and then they rigged it. And Popovich is impossible to enjoy. The guy got all sorts of – he never fails to rip the U.S., but on China, he didn't have a whole hell of a lot to say. (laughs) That's what you're blaming? Yeah, oh, yeah. Why can't I? Yeah, that irritates me. What can I tell you? Yeah, but that came came, uh, long after their championships. I understand that. So you're right. So did you, I, I enjoy, as as, did you enjoy those championships? Because they got five of them. And, and I, the thing about Popovich is interesting because, you know, Bob Hill gets booted out the door yeah. as soon as Popovich sees that Tim Duncan's coming. Right. That's, that's, well, yeah, and I also, the, the in-quarter interviews and the constant uh, attitude with the media, what can I tell you? That turned me off. Okay. So, All right, well, yeah. I didn't oh, enjoy so- it to the level. But, yeah, and so they sat out Robinson and Duncan was available. Uh, and, you know, they got the, when they got the number one picks, Michael Olo Candy wasn't available. David Robinson and Tim Duncan were. And good for them. So, to an extent, to answer your question, yeah, I thought it was cool that a small market team. It's just Popovich didn't seem like it was, he made it enjoyable. All right. And I guess you can say that about Phil Jackson or what have you. And, and, and they're not there to entertain me. The players are. So, but that's my own personal belief. I didn't enjoy it as much as I can. Some people thought that they were boring to watch. I thought that they were really interesting to watch. I liked the way they play. I mean, they weren't flamboyant. Yeah, that's true. But they were. But I I didn't have a problem with the way they played. I I enjoyed watching Tim Duncan play. Saw him play in person in college. Saw him play in person in the NBA. Yeah. Yeah. So I I enjoyed the way 
He was he was a great player, obviously one of the best, all time best. But some people, PK, say that the Jazz won't win a title because the NBA has it in form because they make less money if the team like the Jazz become champions. Well, San Antonio is like Salt Lake in that regard, and there was nothing standing in their way because they were good enough no. to get it done. But but see, I, I think that the, the NBA is the thing about the free agency that you speak of. You're not getting a star or a good player at a cut rate where these buyouts true it's a different situation and i don't see maybe there has been and probably somewhere along the line some buyout has gone to a smaller market but it seems like they're just going to the more glamour markets and the nba is sort of they have their feet in both situations here you know because if it's supposed to be just a a capitalism and you go where you go and that's tough luck on you, then why have the draft? You know, they have the draft and that's designed to have the crappier teams get better, right? Yeah. And it, particularly in a sport where one or two players can make a huge difference, unlike uh, baseball and, and football, you know, you can, if Tom Brady was on a crappy team, you know, you need a lot of good players to win in football. you got to have a good quarterback too, but you also need – a bunch of other good players, just in sheer numbers. So I do have a little bit of a problem with this these buyout deals because it seemed like Drummond, he was going to go to the Lakers no matter what. Yeah, I'll agree and, with you in that regard. And I don't, I, I don't know about whether they how to what extent they should go to prevent it from happening. But uh, it, it is an advantage. You have a good point there. And I, I maybe, don't I really have an answer. Maybe you, you take on the financial burden. You, there's no – you can go, you can release them, but maybe take the new team has to take more of a burden. Uh, instead of getting a reduced price, you get – you got to pay 80% of the salary or whatever. I, I don't know. I'm just speaking. I, ju- I just wonder. Because the NBA, to me, it seems like it's trying to play it both ways here. You want – the draft is there to set people up to be better as long as you do your work and draft the right players. I mean, look at the Jazz, right? When Gordon Hayward left, it's like, oh, man, all the air went out of the balloon, right? Because they had that great run, uh, the, the, and they had struggled, and they brought in some veterans, and we know the story, and they beat the Clippers, and everything's looking great. Okay, this team's going to be trending upward. And then Hayward leaves. He's like, oh, no, now we're going to go back to where it was. Well, it turns out, no, <laughs> that's yeah. not the case. They got a player who's probably better than Hayward. Certainly had a better attitude than Hayward and, and, and Mitchell and, and then Gobert blossoms and away they go. So it wasn't devastating. So just because you have draft picks doesn't mean you're going to turn them into good players. But the draft is designed. That's the purpose of that. But yet you got over here where you can get guys can come and go, and it doesn't seem like they come and go to around the league. So uh, the Lakers already have enough benefits just by being the Lakers. I mean, they sucked for so many years, and then LeBron decides, well, I want to go there, and all of a sudden they're good. And the Anthony Davis situation, was he going to go someplace else? No. So he sort of uh, – James Harden's taken a lot of grief for whining his way out of Houston to go to Brooklyn – wasn't that basically with Anthony, what Anthony Davis did? Yeah. yeah, it was. Yes, it was. And don't the Lakers have enough advantages that they got to have more? 
Well, see, what happens is, and this is, uh, this is a great point, you know, teams like the Jazz, they, they may be able to use terrific acumen to pick the right players yes. and to develop those players. But then what are they doing? They're going to farm out to someone else at some point? So teams like the Lakers can make a bunch of boneheaded mistakes and then cover for themselves by, by signing people because they want to go there, whereas other teams might be smarter but they get penalized ultimately because of their destination. And that's that's a bit of a problem. And I, I don't know uh, what the league can do about that. It's not like they can throw these guys into situations that, that I mean, free agency is free agency. I mean, that's a yeah. blame, yeah. blame Kurt Flood. And, and I don't have a problem with free agency. I think that, you know, you play your – and in the league too, and the, the, and the NBA does it really well, you basically have – uh, the rights to the player for eight, nine years. So you have a good chunk of time to try to make that player believe you're the team he should stay with. Yeah, then there is responsibility on the part of the team to appeal to the players by yes. by doing yes. exactly what you just said. And right. my, my partner, Jake, he, uh, Jake Scott, he often says it's a good thing for the Jazz for players to be greedy. Because that's the incentive for them to stay where they are, is that those host teams can pay more. But uh, there's so much money that these players are awash in these days from other sources, shoe deals, et cetera, endorsements and whatnot, that I, I, you know. But if they are greedy, then they'll stay with their teams. And the the Jazz uh, had a nice offseason in that regard with the guys that they retained. So... That's that's nice for them. And so maybe and, – and look, the Jazz have worked hard at this. They're trying to present uh, themselves as a destination, as a team that cares about its players and wants the players to, to want to be here. And that's – you know, I think they've made some headway in that regard. I mean, just Jordan Clarkson wanted to come back. Oh, and yeah, yeah, like yeah. I said, the two stars re-signed. So, yeah, it's uh, – yeah, we'll, we'll see if they can continue that. But, look, the beach isn't here. You know, the beach isn't here, and it never will be unless Nevada and California fall off the continent. Well, can we have an offspring of the beach? <laughs> Such as? Well, if we had an offspring of the beach, then we'd have a son of a beach, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you make a good point, except the, the difference being that the Jazz better get it right, and that's the crucial point. They better get it right the first time. Yeah, exactly. They don't These necessarily teams, have the second time. Right, and the other teams have a second – almost certain teams have a second chance. The Jazz don't. Yeah, and so they can retain their players, but they had to figure out Gobert's the guy we want, Mitchell's the guy we want, we'll trade you an injury-prone Exum for Clarkson, and you'll say yes – and then we'll give him the ball. So in his free agent year, and where he's why Jordan Clarkson, I assume he's not a dumb man. Why in the world would he want to go someplace else where you're going to get basically you can dribble the entire length of the shot clock and then jack it up? <laughs> yeah, I think it's getting a little bit extreme these days. But maybe maybe it's all good as long as the ball goes in, and when it doesn't, it's like he's hogging. Well, the ball, and you're winning. So. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So uh, Clarkson, of course, he's going to resign, but they've got to get the guys first. The guys don't come to him, uh, come to them. I just think that the league may need to revisit, uh, particularly if Drummond goes off. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
and you got three guys, man, that you really didn't do anything to deserve getting, and you end up getting. Yes, uh, so, I agree with you in that regard. And, yeah. and that will be obvious. <laughs> if, right, the, right, if the Lakers right. win another title now, uh, yeah, that will not. Uh, that will be a discussion point for sure. Yeah. There you go. All right, Tim McCombs coming up next. We'll run this by him, see what the Jazz are doing. What did you think of Craig Smith hire? Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. John Hartwell, Athletic Director at Utah State. Knowing that Mark and the University of Utah were talking to some other people, you know, I, I, I don't know that you ever rest easy immediately following the season, but I felt a little bit better about our opportunity to retain Craig. But, uh, you know, Craig and I had a great working relationship and a great friendship, which obviously that will carry on. But it's a little bit of a, of a gut punch, if you will. But, hey, you know, it's also an opportunity opportunity for us. It's an opportunity to continue to build on that success. And, you know, it does not take long in this world for many people to start reaching out to you, whether it's, you know, coaches directly, agents, you know, people who you know in the business. So um, great, great interest already. Hanson Scotting weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Baskin, Ozzy Osbourne, but even better. I think it might be better. That's Tim Lacombe, lead singer for the Party Hounds, Gordon. Gordon Monson joining me today. I'm PK. DJ's out. That is, do you realize that's Tim Lacombe banging out Ozzy Osbourne right there? Yeah, but my question is, has Tim ever bitten the head off a chicken? I know a chicken has tried to bite Tim Lacombe's head. Good morning, Tim. How are you? (laughs) Oh, sorry. Did I? I, 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 I got too quick. But yeah, I've been off a rodent. I never got quite to the chicken or the bat. You know, it didn't work for me. The rodent. It was gross. It was gross. It's, yeah. What? Uh, why? Why? Why rock and roll? I mean, is this just a love of yours that you've always had? Yeah, I think. Uh, you know what? The psychological part of it. I think. Uh, the more I've studied rock and roll and kind of what it is, you know, I, as a young kid, I lost my dad, uh, and kind of got uprooted from a place I was used to living and moved way far away. And, uh, you know, I think that the new group of friends I made and, uh, all that stuff, I think it was, I think it was a form of, you know, crying out rebellion, trying to figure out what, was going on in my life and I, I just latched on to music at a really young age and it's you know I, I have friends that say you know they'll see the model of car I drive and they'll say is that Tim wait a second and see if we can see the drum solo you know because my arms are flying around uh and they were, if they're behind me you know they can see it's me so music's just a to me it's like one of the essentials it's like breathing and eating and uh I guess that's about all I do now is this, breathe and eat. This this isn't exactly sports related, but I'm interested in both yours and PK's opinion on this. I saw an interview done by Steve Perry, and he said that when bands break up, he said a lot of the stuff comes to the forefront 
of uh, uh, problems that, that musicians have had since their childhood. And he said, by, by nature, many musicians are, oh, I don't know what word to use, avoiders. He said, that's what we do. We make music, we go to a hotel, we perform, we move on, we go to the next show, then we go on to the next show and the next show and the next show, and we don't face our problems. We uh, avoid them. Uh, you think there's any credibility to that? That's what Steve said about himself. I would say so. Um, but I think that could be said for everybody, right? I think that's the majority of, of we, we just get used to living our life with our own blind spots Anyway, this this got off the rails early. This is like a Dr. <laughs> Phil episode. That's what you get with Gordon. <laughs> well, Sorry. I started it. You know, I apologize. Mike goes on the couch. No, I mean, I started it. My fault. Oh, PK, you've studied music as much as anyone I know. I don't avoid problems. I look that in the mirror and just... Uh, Yes, that's right. You look at a problem in the mirror every day. (laughs) I obsess over my problems starting at 10.01 every day. So I don't avoid them. I face them head on and just uh, I live my life from a regret standpoint. What could I have done differently? But that's just me. That's why I'm sick and twisted. (laughs) That's that's Phil Zelty. Anyway, (laughs) this has been brought to you by 1-800-SEEK-HELP. You're crazy. Yeah, I've been there. Uh, I thought, first off, uh, Craig Smith, we're going to have him coming on. Uh, what did you think? Well, I, I think it was an awesome hire. Um, you know, I think that the process itself was probably, you know, that, that's what's interesting about a coaching search. You never really have the insight, um, but you can kind of talk and ask around. And, um, you know, my vibe on it is I think, you know, Craig was one of a few candidates that the, the U was really interested in uh, all along. Uh, I think that as, you know, the the search, sorry, it's, I, I thought that the search, um, you know, as it went on, it was interesting with Alex and Johnny, uh, you know, and, and them both kind of feeling like it wasn't the right thing, the right time. And I think during that, you know, couple of days, I think a lot of that stuff with Craig was probably starting to, to form and get done, but I love him. I think he's a great coach and a great person. Um, he's, he's certainly done better than I would have ever thought possible in, you know, in those three years at Utah state, I thought he was coming in, you know, um, after Tim and he was going to kind of have to really kind of start <clears throat> from scratch. And, you know, the big piece, he had Sam Merrill and, and then he went and got Kata. So I think that those things are, 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 are you know, indicative of what he's capable of doing, and, and Utah is going to be in a great spot. By the way, I saw that uh, DeMarlo Slocum and Eric Peterson are coming as his assistants at Utah. I don't know if you know either of them very well, but uh, I thought that was interesting. If you have a thought on that, please share it. But I wanted to ask you, Tim, how important is it for the head coach to be – Super enthusiastic. Mark Pope is that way. Craig Smith is that way. Is that a way of the future? Because uh, of all the words I would choose to uh, describe Larry Kraskoviak, I'm not sure that enthusiastic is the one that would come to mind first. Um, you know, I think what what the enthusiastic, you know, I think there's there's almost kind of brands of, and just like personalities. Um, you know, it was interesting last night watching Mark Few and um, – you know, Mark's about as down to earth and 
and pretty simple as it gets. I remember getting a text a couple of years ago from Fuey asking how my day was going. Um, it was during the season, you know, it was a practice day, and it was like noon or 1 o'clock. I think they're practicing in the afternoon, and he was out snowshoeing before practice. I mean, he's got it so in perspective. I think the new age really is um, has almost kind of mirrored social media, and I think there's an element now that is, uh, as a coach, you also kind of have to be a producer and a hype man. Um, and, you know, the biggest thing that comes with all that stuff is all, you know, that's all well and good, but at the end of the day, you're not going to be judged on, you know, how many spots you do on television or how many mentions you get from ESPN or, uh, you know, how many videos from your team go viral. I think it's going to be how substance, you know, substantive is your team, how far can you go, you know, how, how well can you do in your league, how far can you go in a tournament. And, and those things are always going to be the men- benchmarks, but I think what, what our day and age now is about is glitz, glamour, the moment. And I think there's probably, you know, somebody on every staff that should have um, their finger on the pulse there. Yeah, that's interesting. And you obviously have a close relationship with Mark Few. I've interviewed him many times over the years, and I always found him to be matter of fact. Certainly not rude, uh, and he can engage. But when, and I've had a couple of one-on-ones with him. And there were conversations that we were having, it, and they were of a serious tone. Uh, I was talking to him about building a program once down at the Orleans after, I think, a semifinal, and he gave me some great answers. But it was, it was deep. It wasn't about uh, glitz and glamour, as you say. And right now, nobody's better or hotter than Mark Few. And then I, I brought this up earlier. I, I look at Mark Pope. And you got to win in the NCAA tournament, and he's got to get over that hump. Now, he's only 0 for 1. It's not like uh, he's crashed and burned a thousand times over. I'm not saying that by well, any Well, and stretch. the team they lost to happened to go to the Final Four, too. Right? Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Indeed. yeah. So, that, I mean, nice 11 seed there uh, as far as that goes, too. Yeah, so that was a difficult task. But I bring up the case of uh, Kobe Lee. And, you know, I can remember last year he's just pumping and pumping and pumping him. And then this year, he plays a little bit, and then at the end, he's not playing at all. So the point I'm being for you, and Craig Smith, he has a ton of enthusiasm. How much of that, though, has to be genuine and be real? Because if you do it too much and you tell me, well, this kid's going to be all that and he's not, well, then I start to tune you out a little bit. Yeah, I I think you're on to something. I think that uh, that really the – the methods and the means and everything that is required to be successful in coaching hasn't changed. That's all, you know, very, very straightforward. And, and we saw great examples of um, guys who, you know, like Mick Cronin, uh, he went into UCLA and Mick's got a certain way about him and his way is his way or the highway. Um, he is going to absolutely coach you and he's never, ever going to stop. And, you know, it doesn't matter if there's two minutes left in practice or, um, you know, the last drill of the day, he's, he's relentless on teaching and demanding you do it right. And I think that those types of things are probably the things that are certainly more important than all of the, you know, uh, I guess, for lack of a better word, the way I, I it's almost like 
there, there's a, a campaign or self-promotion, you know, coming out of every school. And, and it, it's not, I'm not being critical. It's just what it has to be nowadays. Um, everybody's got a Twitter. Everybody's got a Instagram. So, you know, the more creative and unique and interesting you can be, um, just like a product you scan through, you know, on, on Instagram, that's what these teams and programs are competing with. So I totally understand the, the necessary uh, evil of it. But at the same time, yeah, you're right. You, you know, the problem is all this stuff that's said is on tape or in the paper or written in, you know, uh, comments in an article after a game. And, and kids, all kids want to do, they just want to be able to be coached. But what I found more than anything is they just want you to be straight with them. And you don't always have to give them good news, but you always got to be straight with them. And I think that that type of, you know, where the game's going now and where all this stuff, you know, I, I can't even imagine recruiting now. And literally you've got a kid, if you're lucky, for eight months. And the problem with that is you've got to recruit him every day for eight months. And so – I guess what I'm getting to is kids want to be told the truth and, you know, all that other stuff, you know, with marketing, we know that marketing, it isn't always truth. And so that's going to be the balancing act. How do coaches, you know, do plenty of that other stuff, but at the same time be able to look their team in the eye and their team look back at them and say, Hey, we're on the same page. So Tim, I wanted to ask you about this final four now, Houston, Baylor, UCLA, Gonzaga, uh, Houston's pretty good, but does everyone want to see Gonzaga and Baylor? Is that is that what you think is going to happen? That's typically um, – I think that's what pretty much everybody thinks is going to happen. Um, I think Kelvin Sampson going to have something to say about that. Just, uh, you know, I think it's Baylor-Houston, right, and Gonzaga-UCLA. Yes. Are those, is that the matchups? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The Baylor-Houston game, they better have – typically if there's like one stretcher there, you know, there's typically a stretch there for precaution. There better be 14 of them because <laughs> that thing is going to be – seriously, if you want to watch a game that's probably going to be like 10-7 at the half <laughs> is my guess. I mean, something just stupid crazy. It's going to be so physical. Um, and and I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if Houston found a way to get Baylor. I think Baylor's better. But Kelvin's just a magician, kind of, kind of like Majerus was at scouting and getting teams out of their rhythm. He came into to Marriott Center a couple of years ago um, when we were there, and we, you know, we were pretty up tempo, and we couldn't get out and run. Like he just took, he just flat took our 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 uh, transition away from us, and they just execute so well on offense. They don't score it great, but they execute. So um, I think Gonzaga is the best team. You know, by far, I mean, when I say by far, probably, I think they're, they may be a few, a few points better than Baylor, six or so, but I think everybody else, I think they'll, they'll have a, an easy time with. Um, I think Gonzaga's going to win it. I'm actually, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen in that Baylor-Houston game other than it's going to be a bloodbath. What can these other teams, whether they be here uh, locally in either conference, the West Coast Conference or Pac-12, what can they draw from Gonzaga that can help them because Gonzaga has it going on to the highest level right now? Well, the crazy thing about Gonzaga is, it, 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 you know, we see Gonzaga right now. Um, but, you know, I was looking back at film. They were showing last night of North Carolina beating them with Morrison. Um 
you know, Gonzaga had that game won and turned it over and, and really lost it tough, you know, and I kind of look at the, the sideline over there and I see those, I see Mark standing there, I see the team, you know, the guys and um, that have been there, Tommy Lloyd. So these guys have been at this a long time. And I think what they've done is they've really kind of created a science of, of identifying and recruiting. And, you know, they were one of the first programs that really kind of started to actively pursue high-level transfers, you know, as a mid-major, quote-unquote mid-major, to, to get them – interested and i think it's just been interesting over the years to watch the the gradual growth i mean it's crazy to think this is the team that we beat uh to go to the sweet 16 um in 2000 2011 so um they've they've been at this a long time and i couldn't be more happy for them but it's not like you can just i think one of the things that's different nowadays is coaches and players, you know, there's not that whole concept of building. You know, you you almost put the car together, drive this, you know, drive the car for a season, and then rip the thing apart and go get new pieces. Um, and so, I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting to see if if a team like Gonzaga can really kind of rise up from the ashes um, of mid-majordom. And really, that's the part that's the most amazing to me is. We, all these years, and I thought, God, we'll never catch Gonzaga. Well, guess what? Nobody really will because they're the number one team in the country. Um, and so it makes all those, those that pain kind of – I understand a little better now, I guess. You got any more, Gordon? No. I, I heard Jake say it was time to go to break, so I'm nothing but obedient. Did he right, do it like you... this? Let's go to break. You you take the role you're taking the role of DJ and so you ignore that. <laughs> that you guys just I, blow I, through those all the time. Hey, that's what I do during the big show. Enough, I I take a lot of heat for that, but uh, I thought <laughs> I would I would listen to the man yak. So you got Gonzaga winning it all? Yeah, I got Gonzaga winning it all. Smart, smart man, and they just actually I got awesome three team. out of the four. I Alabama let me down, but I got oh. Houston, Baylor, Gonzaga. Oh, good for you. You know what's scary is that if a uh, few is going to start getting these top-flight high school kids, forget it. It's yeah, over. No kidding. Oh, well, he just, he just, he just landed his this, best recruit, just got right? New, yeah, or one yeah. of the best. I know. Yeah. And Walker Kessler's had you know rumored to be headed there from North Carolina. So right, just, well, he, you know what? He's always mined the transfer market. The transfer market and the foreign kid have always been uh, integral. But if he's going to get Suggs and this other kid, and they're going to be high that's, schoolers. But that's, see, that's where you go. You, it's the pools you fish out of. He, he's found the honey hole here now because he's got the best of both worlds. Now he can get exactly. transfers. Now he can get Euros. And now right. he, can, he can get the best players in the U.S. coming out of high school for a year. Yeah. Um, okay, so said, how, how, t- tell me this. I mean, we're talking about Spokane, Washington here. How is he doing it? How is he doing? I understand he wins. He's set this tradition and all that stuff, and people now understand Gonzaga is a great, great program. But how in the world? You know, I look at BYU, and I look at Utah, and I think, okay, what can they do to create what Mark Few? Well, it actually started before him, but, I mean, it's amazing. It is. It's it's actually a story of disruption. You know, we talk about disruption all over, you know, every every market. 
this was a basketball disruption, and they just went about it different. They played different. Um, they recruited different, and what they've got is something that worked out. You know, they've got a they've got a really cool pending IPO coming out really soon. So I think it's uh, I think it's a it would be an awesome study what you guys talk about. In fact, you know, if I was a writer, maybe I'd study the history of Gonzaga and write a book about it. But I'm not a writer. I wish I knew one. I don't know any. Uh, and I'll leave you with this. PK, you said, you know what's scary? I'll tell you what's scary. What? They let Gordon Monson, Patrick Kinahan, and Tim Lacombe on the free air, airwaves for 19 minutes and 35 seconds without supervision. <laughs> That's scary. Oh, and he's th- not, not one dumb button. <laughs> All right, Gordon, send us a break with some swear words. <laughs> I was tempted in the last segment, but uh, no, I will uh, follow Joe Ingles' example and hold back. Okay. Do like, the, do like the cartoons. <laughs> Something like that. We're, we're here tonight with the Jazz, Tim, at uh, 5 o'clock. Get us ready for the game at 6 o'clock, okay? Yeah, I'll be there. All right. Thanks a lot. That's Tim McComb. You can hear him before and during and after all the Jazz games with Jay Scott. Jazz are playing the Memphis Grizzlies tonight. It's a 6 o'clock tip our time. So the pregame will start on 1280-975 at 5 o'clock. And we've got Craig Smith coming up top of the hour. Jazz are going to be without Donovan Mitchell. Get to that next. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Let me tell you about Zero Res, guys. Dirt, dust, dander, and allergens are no match for Zero Res carpet cleaning. Do you want the contaminants gone? We'll call Zero Res right now. Just $33 per room to get your carpets Zero Res clean. But minimum supply. Call them at 801-288-9376 or schedule online. Just search Zero Res carpet cleaning. DJ's off today. Checking on his island in the Caribbean. Gordon Monson, who already checked on both of his islands in the Caribbean yesterday and found out they're just fine, he's joining us today from high atop the hills overlooking the Salt Lake Valley. How is it up there, Gordon? PK, I'm going to do something to you that Jake does to me on a regular basis. Are you eating something? No, I was drinking something. Oh, okay. I knew something was going on. I had something in my throat. I got a glass of, uh, well, I always have a couple of bottles of Arrowhead water. Arrowhead water is my favorite water. What are you supposed to, uh, aren't we supposed to drink like six of those a day or something like that? I mean, yes. I don't know. We all fall short in that regard. I, I drink minimum four and sometimes get to five or six. Yeah, but minimum good. four. I've got to have four. But it's easy for me to get those because I drink two during the show. I try to go to the gym every day and drink two there. Yeah, now, I better have a bathroom nearby. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's really good, man. Uh, everything I read, people say, and you know, for most of most of our lives, we probably underperformed in that regard. But uh, yeah, that's a good and, tip for everybody. Yeah. And then if I can have one or two others, so I'm getting sixty-four every day minimum. That's, that's an absolute that, requirement. That's fantastic. Because it's 16 ounces uh, per bottle, I believe. Back me up, Yak. 16 times 4 is 64. 64 ounces or a half a gallon, which is what they recommend at minimum. Yak, do you follow that? 
Um, if you see me at most events, it's actually kind of a thing that just I tote around with me. I carry a half gallon jug with me at all times. I usually try and oh, down at least a gallon a day. You guys, look at you. I, 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 I've been told it keeps you young longer. Well, that's the hope. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, most people think I'm 32 years old. Nice. <laughs> Jazz tonight against Memphis without Donovan Mitchell. Quick take, Gordon, before we go to break and get Craig Smith on coming up next to University of Utah basketball coach. Do you think that it's going to be a problem? No Donovan Mitchell. He was on the plane, but then the plane had issues. I guess they said he was on the plane, and now he's not on the plane, so he's not going to play. I still think they got a decent chance to win. Yeah, I do too. I think the other guys raise their, their games. Uh, that happens sometimes. It's not wouldn't be shocking if they were to do that. And they're deep, you know. They, I mean, they've got some guys who can fill in. At uh, at both ends, uh, you know, I, I, are they going to win? I don't know whether they're going to win, but I think they can on a, on a short term situation sort of uh, make do. So I would expect them. Although it's tough to be the team three times in, in this short period, so I don't know. We'll see. It makes it interesting, doesn't it? Who's going to take over? Yeah. yeah, who's going to take over in the fourth quarter? Well, since we have Joe Ingles on tomorrow, I hope it's him. Well, he's certainly <laughs> capable. I mean, you've brought this up with him, but I, I don't think I've ever seen him shoot so well on the whole no. over the past three weeks. It's been amazing. Absolutely amazing. Couldn't it's like if, in fact, I, if I were Quinn, I'd be running plays for Joe. <laughs> Clear outs. <laughs> he's waving off screens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Man, he's playing great. Yeah, he is. He's scheduled to join us. He joins us every Thursday unless it's game day. Tomorrow isn't game day, so today is and then Friday is, so we expect him to give you the type of dude that Joe Ingles is. He's made a commitment, and he's going to keep that commitment. They're going to be flying back from Tennessee tonight, and he still says he's already told Yach this week that he will be on the show tomorrow. So Joe is money on and off the floor. Live root for him. I don't. I know you want to be tough guy and not root for dudes, but I root for, I root for Joe. Uh, and you fans are going to be rooting for Craig Smith. He's going to be joining us next. New basketball coach at the University of Utah. Stay with us, 97.5-1280 The Zone. Welcome back in. Excited to talk to our next guest, the new coach of University of, Men- University of Utah men's basketball, Craig Smith, uh, who obviously was at Utah State. You're on the DJ and PK show, Craig, only DJ is out. PK is sitting in. That's me. You're joining us uh, with Gordon Monson. He writes for the Tribune, is also the uh, afternoon host from 2 to 6. Good morning, Craig. How the heck are you? I'm doing great, PK and Gordon. Thanks for having <laughs> me on the show. Now, my thought is my I have to. That sounds fantastic, doesn't it? Yeah, well, we're, we're sort of used to that, though. I mean, that's who you are, that raspy voice uh, in the three years we've been following you. Uh, is he there, Yuck? I've never heard that noise before. Uh, All right. Something happened with Craig Smith. Uh, I'm excited for him, Gordon. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, like we talked about with Tim. Uh, Craig Smith is has been successful everywhere he's gone. He's very enthusiastic. Uh, the fan. He's the kind of guy I think the fans can get around as long as he wins, and he knows right. that. And winning is the ultimate. You can – Majerus wasn't exactly a model of enthusiasm 
but he won, and you were there. I was there. I was working for the Watchdog at the time, man. Place was packed. It was a place to be uh, on Thursday nights. You know, back in the day, they played Thursday nights, Saturdays, and a lot of Mondays because they were Utah was a great attraction with the big Mondays. And to to see what the program has become, I, I sort of have a vested interest in it. I mean, obviously, I didn't grow up a Utah fan. I didn't live in Utah until I took the job back in 1993. I'd only driven through the state, for that matter. Never really spent some time here uh, until I got the opportunity to work here. And obviously, it's been my home now for 27 years. The rest but, is history. Yeah. But I, I feel like I have a, a sense of ownership in the Utah program. When you go up to the when you go up to the Huntsman Center these days or in recent years, isn't it a weird feeling considering the way it used to be up there? I mean, the place was uh, pretty full. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and now now it uh, it seems like it's uh, withered a bit. Craig, uh, you're back with us. You're talking a couple OGs. I mean, we've been in this market since the early '90s. I used to work for the Tribune, and my first assignment was University of Men, University of Utah men's basketball. So I was there on a day-to-day basis in the '90s. And you talk about I listened to your uh, press conference on Saturday. That thing was packed, and it was a place to be. Majors had it going on. The it just in in my mind. I, I don't think it's going to take much. It's going to take work, but I believe that there is a fan base there that will flock to the program, not if, but when you start winning. How much of that did you know as far as the history and was enticing to you as one of the reasons you took the job? Oh, it's a huge reason. Uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a history guy. I, I pay a lot of attention to tradition. And, and, you know, coming up through the ranks, I've worked, uh, I've worked at places where there's not much tradition and, and the fan base can be, you know, apathetic. And then I've, I've worked at a few places where there's a rich tradition and, and the fan base is just craving a winner. And it's my job as the head coach to go out and create a brand of basketball that is exciting Right, it's uh, ha- that has high-level players um, and 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 good quality. Right, meaning you know playing a Gata style where we're going to play super hard, be the first on the floor, right, make all the tough guy plays, but yet have efficient offense and fluid offense and a style and a brand that's enjoyable to watch. The last five years that I've been a head coach, we've been in the top twenty in assists in the country including last year at Utah State, where we were in number nine. And so uh, I think, you know, this state, right, our fan base is incredibly knowledgeable. They understand great basketball, and it's been proven time and time again. And when I was a young coach, I think I was 24, 25, I was at my second Final Four, uh, went to my first national championship game. Well, guess who that was? Utah against Kentucky. And I just, I was, of course, I was a young coach. I had nosebleed seats, uh, but I was happy to be there. And after the game, the side I was sitting on is the side that the University of Utah walked off the floor. And, of course, everybody was dejected. But it just hit me. Like, this is how you build a team, right? The way they had that team built. And, of course, they had great coaching with Coach Majerus. But I know this, really good players make coaches look really, really smart. And, and, 
it was a defining moment in my life. And I said, this is what I want to do. And, you know, I worked at every level. Um, quite a few years ago, I coached in the NAI national championship game. And, um, and now we want to experience that at this level and get youth basketball where, back where it belongs. Craig, one thing that you said at your opening press conference there that really stood out to me was when you were asked about the strengthening the schedule. And obviously the Utes play in the Pac-12, and that's all good. But you seem to be enthusiastic about adding quality opponents from start to finish, or I don't know, every game, but a, a lot of games that way. And it reminded me of what Denny Crum used to do at Louisville back, way back in the day when he used to play all kinds of tough teams, and his team might lose early on, but he thought it helped prepare them for the postseason. Is that is that kind of what's he, in your head? Yeah. Uh, I'm a huge believer in bring on the competition. Like, I, I just firmly believe to be the best, you got to play the best and beat the best. And when you play high-level competition and non-conference play, like, you get a taste of what league play is going to be like. You get a true taste of what your team is, right, and how we can grow and develop and get better. And so, and then, and then the NCAA tournament committee has made it very, very clear, right, what you need to do. And so I like to tell a story our first year, you know, when we first got hired at Utah State, we were projected to be number nine in the conference, and we had a mass exodus of players. I mean, Kobe McEwen left. He was a second-team all-league guy. We had, we had, I don't know, five, six guys leave. And that was, what, three, four years ago, where still people left but not maybe as prevalent as it is this year. And so, but I didn't care. So we were playing in an MTE in Las Vegas. Arizona State was in it. Mississippi State, St. Mary's, and Utah State. We were kind of a, <laughs> that other team, right, where people thought, well, at least we'll get one win. And the tournament organizers said, hey, we got a lower-level – tournament we can put you in i said no like we want to play the best and and we stayed in it and we you know we lost a tight game in arizona state we beat st mary's handily so i think it's so important to get your net ranking where it needs to be to get your strength of schedule where it needs to be in our last three years at utah state our lowest net ranking in those three years was 42 and so uh we value that we crave that and that'll be something we bring to the university of utah Craig Smith joining us, new hoops coach at Utah. So uh, in conversations that I've had with folks uh, as far as what was leading up to the situation, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Coach, but it seemed like uh, there was some indication uh, earlier on Friday that it wasn't going to be uh, a marriage between you and the Utes. And then later on in the, into the evening, obviously you ended up taking the job. I don't know how much you want to disclose but what was uh, the differences? What were they going on? Going, what was going on there that maybe some people had the impression earlier in the day you weren't going to take the job, and then obviously you end up taking it? Uh, well, I'm not sure. I guess in terms of impressions or anything like that. Obviously, things happen quick, and and I'm here, and, and it's a it's a life comes at you fast. That's that's yeah. for sure. And so, um, it, you know, just going through that whole thing uh, and getting to know Mark. And, and doing my research, you know, on Mark, just like they do research on their potential candidates, I just, his vision for running youth basketball really aligned with what I believe uh, it takes to, to run a successful program in every way, shape, and form, whether it's recruiting, your style, 
connectivity to the community and and the players that have led the way and the, and the former coaches and so and I could go on and on but uh, it just uh, our visions are aligned uh, and, and of course we're doing our best to build a team for this year to be competitive but also build a program for the long haul and um, you know, it's been a whirlwind over the last, what, 72 hours, or I guess maybe a little bit more than that now. And, uh, and it's been fast and furious with, with the transfer portal, recruiting guys, obviously trying to build a staff, and, and doing whatever I can to promote um, this unbelievable program. You mentioned, Craig, the transfer portal there. Larry had difficulty, and maybe a lot of coaches have difficulty these days, keeping players in the program. Uh, some of the players who are, have indicated maybe they'll leave Utah, maybe they'll stay, uncertain at this point. One, are you going to have a good shot at keeping some of those players in the program? And secondly, uh, what's your philosophy about that? Uh, what can be done to, to, to keep the major players that you're looking for over the next number of years? Yeah, I mean, you know, the transfer portal – is, you know, transferring is uh, a part of our game now, right? Whether it's football, basketball, um, and it has been for the last, I don't know, three to five years. You know, the last few years, you know, I think last year around a 1,000 um, student-athletes went in the portal, which if you equate that out, that's roughly on average three men's basketball players transfer out of their program per year. That's just the average. And so – it's a big part of the game. And, you know, us philosophically, you know, well, going back, first of all, we've been very fortunate at Utah State and at University of South Dakota not to have too many um, guys leave our program. Uh, and I think that's an indication of how we do things. I think it's an indication of building trust, having a plan in place to when we bring these guys in to, to grow their game, how they're going to fit into our program. You know, looking at our depth chart closely, I'm not big into recruiting guys and selling them sunshine, right? I want them to know exactly what they're getting into from a culture standpoint, from a a community standpoint. Like, you know, not everybody's going to thrive in Salt Lake City, but some people are going to have tremendous growth and development in Salt Lake City and in our program. So beauty's in the eyes of the beholder. So I think having great relationships with your players having a plan, holding them accountable, and then utilizing the portal in the right way in terms of recruiting, right? It's almost like, in a weird way, it's kind of like NBA free agency, right? Like, oh, we got a need right here. We need to get more experience, more of a veteran guy than maybe a high school kid can do. So we've had success all the way around. Predominantly, we recruit high school kids, but we've had very good success with transfers and with a few junior college kids, too. So you just got to look under rocks, find the right people, and then utilize that um, to our program's advantage that way. You know, this year it's hard. It's hard for those players from last year's team that are in the program. They don't know me. right? They don't know any of our staff that will hire. Well, they could, I guess, but you never know. Um, and so it's hard. you got to build a lot of trust in a short amount of time. And But we've been down this road before. So almost three years ago to the day, uh, you know, got hired at Utah State, and all these guys are looking at me because I'm, you know, I like to talk and I'm kind of boisterous and like this guy's crazy. But you sit down with them, and like I said, a few leave. A guy like Sam Merrill, who was recruited by Duke, and 
you name it, that I am staying. And we are going to build this thing, and we are going to get Aggie basketball back where it belongs. And fortunately us, we had three amazing years. For sure you did. There's no question about that. Your record speaks for itself. Craig Smith, new Utah basketball coach, joining us. You speak of your staff. I don't know what you're able to say right now. There's been a couple of reports of Slocum coming back, Peterson coming with you. You've got two guys on the, who are on Larry's staff who have sons on the team, Martinez and Jones. Uh, I would think there would be a possibility of those guys leaving if you did not retain them. What can you say about all that situation? I can't comment specifically yet, um, but you guys do your homework. And so, uh, you know, I'm, ex- I'm really excited to build our staff. Obviously, you know, we're going to do this thing right. And we're looking for coaches that are, are very well-rounded. they got to be able to recruit. Recruiting is your lifeline. We all know that. I alluded to it earlier. You know, really good players make coaches look really smart. And we have a, a tremendous job as a coach to put players in the right place to help them grow their game and teach and develop and do all that. Uh, but those guys are out there making the plays, right? They're the ones making the threes. They're the ones that have to box out. They're the ones that have to sprint the floor. They're the ones that have to communicate while they're on the floor. And so you better find the right guys. You know, we look for guys that have character, toughness, guys that know how to play, guys that are gym rats. And I could go on and on, but the, the coaches, you know, we're going to find guys that have strengths recruiting, in various parts of the country. we got to have a great presence on the West Coast. Obviously, we have to have a great presence in Utah and, and get the best players in the state. And so, uh, and then I want guys that can really coach and have high energy and have great character and take the role personally on helping young men, 18-year-old men, develop into men when they leave this program. And, you know, we're not going to settle for second best, and we're going to go out in quality high, high character um, coaches to come in here because this place is literally incredible. The resources that we have and the things that we can, so quote unquote, showcase, you know, there's nothing we don't have. So now we just got to go to work and get the guys in the program that want to make it happen. You know, so we're slowly building this thing with our coaching staff. Um, um, But I feel a lot more, you know, I think by the end of next week, we'll have, a lot more pieces in place. Okay. So, Craig, uh, a two-part question for you. The first one is you've already covered a lot of this, but if you were going to circle the number one priority for you at Utah to make that program successful, what would it be? Because you've you've had success everywhere you've gone, and some of these places you've been, no offense to you, but a lot of people haven't heard of some of those places, and yet you've been <laughs> able to, to climb through this thing. So what is the number one thing you want at Utah? And my second part of the question is, how in the world did you put up with Scotty Gerard up there at Utah State for three years? <laughs> With Scott, he's such a pain in the you-know-what. He sent me such a that, – that we had a great connection from the get-go. It might have been our haircut that we just kind of <laughs> like, yeah, I'm challenged, you're challenged, uh, let, let's bond. And uh, we had so much fun together on our weekly radio show and, you know, of course, the pregame shows and uh, and in the postgame shows, we really had fun, especially when we, when we won. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's been a – a wild, what, four days, five days. This is day five. Um, and last night, I, I finally, I just, and I've been thinking about this, but I just haven't been able to put some things into words, you know, to thank the Aggie community and our time at Utah State. And 
there's just a bunch of memories that come back. And one of the memories that came flooding back to me was my time with Scotty. Like, I literally look forward to that radio show every Monday. And I love one of my favorite things, and I can't tell you the number of emails uh, that I've had, especially since I've left. Uh, they're not all negative, but uh, where I'm, I'm going to miss the post-game radio shows uh, on their drive home. And, like, I, I literally couldn't wait to do those. And fortunately, won a lot of games, so it made it a lot more enjoyable. You know, I don't know if I can pinpoint one. I mean, in the, in the immediate, like, I, obviously, we have to get our staff together, but we have to build great relationships with our current players. And re- relationships don't happen just by snapping your finger. Um, it's hard. You're, 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 you're showing them or trying to explain to them what we've always done, and they're kind of looking at you like, why should I believe you? And I get what they're saying because I've been down this road everywhere I've been, uh, taking over a program that has struggled a little bit under 500, sometimes well below 500, and, and flip it around. So um, uh, recruiting is obviously just humongous. Uh, in the short term and in the long term, and not just recruiting talent. You just you got to get the right guys. You know the movie Miracle with Herb Brooks, right? And, and Herb Brooks says to Craig, the assistant, "We're not looking for the best ones. We're looking for the right ones." And and it's a fine line in building your team. We have a formula for building our team and what we look for, and we got some work to do in that area. And then. Lastly, and this certainly is at least, I view this as one of my, the top priorities, is to generate enthusiasm, show our fan base what we're going to do. We have such knowledgeable fans that our fans will appreciate playing the game the right way, playing unselfish, playing together, having connectivity with the community, and get people excited to support it. And, and when you have a great home court advantage, that directly impacts winning. And I know we're going to build that up and make this place an incredibly difficult place to play. So, Craig, I don't know if this happened. You can answer this. Riley Batten decided he was going to come back after putting his name in the portal. So I want to know, did you, have, did you already re-recruit him? And what do you think about Allen? Because if you want to be successful next season, obviously getting Allen back in the program uh, would go a long way to, towards that. I mean, are you – how are you re-recruiting him? And if did you re-recruit already, Batten? Well, you, you're, you know, that's a great question. And, and certainly I've met with, with uh, every, almost every player. I got like two guys left today. Um, but I had great talks with a lot of guys. And, you know, and you just sell your vision, so to speak. But, you know, that's, I think, a big part of retaining, of retention and having that plan. And you're always recruiting the guys in your program. And, you know, I always say you're always recruiting, but that's, that's relationships and communication. And this is what you got to do to get on the floor. And these are the things you got to do. So, yeah, uh, I mean, I had a great meeting with Riley yesterday and, and uh, he was on the practice floor and, and he looked really, really good. I mean, tremendous energy, shot it really well, has a great voice and a big motor. And does he got to get better? Yeah, but he knows that. And, you know, with the rest of the guys, you just, you're communicating your vision, what you need to do. But the bottom line is, guys, if guys don't want to be here and they're not bought in to what running youth basketball is, if they're not bought in to how we're going to do things and play, then, then we wish them the best of luck elsewhere because we have so many great things going on here and we're not going to settle for second best. You know, So, you know, it's like 
Uh, right? Try, you build trust. Trust is like pregnancy. Either you're pregnant or you're not. You either trust somebody or you don't. Right? There's no, you know, there's no in between that way. So we're 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 working hard that way, trying to show our vision of what we do. I thought it was great to be back on the floor, getting to see what these guys can do on the floor and start somewhat implementing, you know, what we like to do. So we're big into skill development, and it was nice to see some of the things that we could do at this point. Craig, you said you don't want to settle for second best. The Utes have never won the Pac-12 title. Obviously, you want to win. I get that. But is that your expectation, to to go to a place that the Utes haven't gone over the past decade? Absolutely. Our goal every year is get get to the well. Then they've been to the NCAA tournament. Uh, had a Sweet 16 run. You know, uh, did that whole deal, and and that's our goal every year. We said the same thing at Utah State. Said the, said the same thing at South Dakota. Said the same thing at Mayville. You know, Mayville took over a program, and most people have never heard of Mayville, uh, and I understand that. But they had won one game in our first year. We get to the year before we got hired. They won one game. Our first year goes the national tournament. Second year, win 27 games, go to the lead eight. Third year, play in the national championship. South Dakota, year three, um, win the regular season championship. Year four, uh, win 26 games, which is the most in the history of South Dakota in Division One. Second most in, in the history of the school. And then Utah State, you know, first year, project the ninth. We win the regular season title, win the conference tournament championship, go to the NCAA tournament, finish the regular season 25th in the country. And then we go to three straight NCAA tournaments. And you know what? It's always a joke when you talk about it until you do it. And I don't know what the future holds, but I know what our standards are, and I know what our expectations are. And is it going to take a lot of work? You're dang right it is. Is it going to take a major commitment to make this happen from our administrators, administration, our coaching staff, and our players? Yeah, but that's why we're here. And I've never understood the logic of, you know, not doing everything you can to be the best. And I've never understood the, the, the logic of not putting high expectations on yourself. Because, you know what, it's a funny thing in life. Uh, when you do that, often that when you don't accept anything but the best, very often that's what you get. I think Before that I let you go. Sense. Did you write that down? Yeah, that was, that was, that was deep. There's no question. I, I can remember when Utah was in the first conference tournament. I'm down in Vegas. First conference tournament in the Pac-12, I should say. I was there for since '93 with the uh, in the Mountain West and WAC. But the first tournament in the Pac-12. Obviously, uh, Larry had a massive rebuilding job. And that first year, I'm in the MGM, I'm in the media room, and I'm talking to Pac-12 people, and they tell me, yeah, we're very much worried about Utah because we know they're going to come back because they have an incredible fan base. This fan base is incredible. I saw it firsthand traveling with them on the road all those years. The Final Four, I was there in the Alamo Dome, also at San Antonio. I know of what you speak. So the fan base, they want to love this program. Just as recently as yesterday, two guys I ran into in their 70s, and they wanted to talk to me about Utah basketball. So they want to come back. As far as you, winning will bring them back, but you can't win until uh, next fall at the earliest, obviously. What are you going to do in the meantime to get that fan base back into that Huntsman Center? Because I know and you know that they're there. Well, I'm going to do everything. Uh, me personally, I'm going to do everything I can in terms of you know, interviews, getting myself to service clubs, and meet, just touch the senses of as many people as I can and get them excited, right? And 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 show our passion and our energy 
uh, and I'll do the same with our coaching staff. And obviously, I want our our uh, players out in the community as much as possible. It's a tougher time now in that respect with COVID and all that that entails. And of course, now we're heading into the summer, so it's harder for our for our student athletes that way. But you know, like we told our guys when we got hired at Utah State, and I told our guys on Saturday when when I met with the team. Like, winning is important to create excitement. No question. We all know that. Uh, but I also think that because of the knowledge of our fan base and our passion of our fan base, they understand quality basketball. Like, they understand an exciting brand, and they'll always respect you if you play the right way, if you play unselfish, if you share the ball – if you move without the ball, you know, if you don't just catch and dribble 15 times before you go make the play, and then if you're going to guard hard and play discipline and play with enthusiasm, passion, and joy. And if you do that, I know our fan base will back them and support them, and, 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 then, and that helps the winning piece. So we already know we got to win that way, but we're going to do everything we can, work our hands to the bone, to get out and create enthusiasm and excitement and bring this thing back. And that's what was cool at Utah State. Like our first game, we probably had 5,000 fans. And then the next game we had a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And it just kept building every night out. And, and then the other piece with that, guys, is scheduling. When you schedule good teams, when you schedule good competition, and you bring those teams right to our place, like, that creates excitement. When you schedule the Utah, you know, the other, what, seven Division One schools in Utah, I'm a big believer in playing those games. Now, obviously, you can't play everybody every year, but playing those teams, I think, matters. And it brings the state together, and it just creates that banter and dialogue back and forth. And um, so it's a bit all-encompassing from that respect. Someone was telling us, Craig, that you get you get uh, a bonus if you, uh, depending upon what the attendance is at games. Uh, that's what we were told. Uh, and uh, is that true? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly, I know you're probably thinking like, "There's no way you don't know." I literally, guys, have no idea. I haven't even. I talked to my agent and did that whole thing. They sent the email. I signed it. I didn't even look at it. I trust my agent. I coach because I love to coach. <laughs> now, it's easy for me to say. I'm, I know I'm getting paid well. I'm never in my wildest dreams. <laughs> that I, could I imagine that? I coach. I'm the guy that coached for $1,000 a year. I, I grew up with no money, right? I mean, we were, <laughs> we were Pell Grant kids and food stamps, like, you know, all that stuff. So I've, ne- I've, ne- I've always believed money's never made a man rich. And I don't look at bonuses. I don't know what my dental, dental insurance is. Or any of that stuff. I love to coach. I'm so pumped to be here. And I will find that out, though, because that would be kind of cool. But I, <laughs> I, I actually have no idea. I literally have no idea. I don't, um, and, and my agent <laughs> represents some other guys. I haven't watched it. We lost to Texas Tech, and I'm a sore loser now. And I haven't watched one NCAA tournament game since, since we lost to Texas Tech because I'm still a little PO'd uh, yeah. about that. Now, I might watch some of the Final Four games. Um, but we'll see what happens. So I'll find that out for you guys and let you know. <laughs> I bet your wife knows. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you might be right about that, but I have no idea. I haven't shown – I got the email with the finalized contract, but I, 
I just haven't looked at it. I'm not sure if she knows, actually. Okay. Well, Coach, we wish you nothing but the best of success in resurrecting that program, and thanks for coming on this morning. Hey, thanks for having me on, fellas. Go Utes! All right, there it is. The new coach of University of Utah men's basketball, Craig Smith. Gordon, I know we got to go to break, uh, but I think that it was a good hire. I'm excited to see what he can do, uh, not just because of the enthusiasm. You can have all the enthusiasm you want, but I'm most excited about the winning that he did in Logan. And the Mountain yeah. West Conference is a decent basketball conference for sure. I've always felt that you know there might be a big gap in football between the Mountain West and the Pac-12, but I don't think the gap is nearly as big in basketball and obviously you don't need as many players. So I'm excited for what he can do. I think Mark Harlan made a good hire, and, and time will tell on that. But as I say, I, I think he'll do good things. Yeah, we'll see what kind of athlete he recruits uh, to Utah. But one thing's for sure, his track record is getting everything yeah. possible out of his players that he does yeah. have. So I don't we'll think see. we can argue that. Okay, we'll yeah. catch you up to date what we've been talking about this morning. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. The Big Show Big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Joining us now, he covers youth basketball as well as BYU football for the Deseret News. He's our friend, Jay Drew. Give us kind of the basics of Craig Smith's contract. The base salary is 1.85, and then he's got a bunch of perks, vacation money for his family and tuition for his kids, country club membership, use of a car, and things like that. The one interesting thing, he has incentives based on gate receipts. I've never seen that in a coaching contract before, but, you know, you would think that would be incentive for him to beef up the schedule. I think people would rather see him play oh, I don't know, Utah State instead of Stony Brook. And if he does schedule that, it could put money in his pocket. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O' Tires, the team you trust. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone, in the Zone Sports Network. Okay, man, getting you caught up on what you may have missed. But before we do that, I know we're supposed to do feedback next, Gordon, but I just got a tweet from some dude. PK just pulled a Brian Williams. He was at the MGM in Vegas when the Pac-12 tourney was at Staples. No, it wasn't, you freaking idiot. (laughs) I was there. (laughs) The Pac-12, since the Utes have been in the Pac-12 tournament, it was at the MGM, and then it moved across the street to (laughs) T-Mobile. That's the only two places they've had the Pac-12 tournament since the conference has been to 12 teams, you freaking fool. (laughs) What the hell are you talking about? (laughs) <laughs> how dare you challenge pk's veracity i remember specifically as you're going into the mgm you go to the left to get your credentials and i remember specifically speaking with some pac-12 guys that i knew from over the years administrators and they were telling me how they believe utah is going to get it back and get it back quick because it basketball matters it matters at the u of u more than it matters at some other places i remember exactly where i was it was the mgm man gordon you wanted to cuss earlier because somebody (laughs) accused you having byu gear now this guy and maybe you do or don't I, i haven't looked in your closets i've never been deep in the uh, recesses of your estate. But I know I was in the MGM hotel. <laughs> You're not making that stuff up, man. Hashtag I think I'll just tell fake it. news. Yeah, just tell, tell a story and just make up the times and places. And 
Uh, uh, you think I would have remembered if I was in Staples Center? You've now I did cover a Pac-10 tournament way back when, when it was at the Forum. <laughs> you freaking a, fool! That was like 1988. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mess with PK. Don't mess oh. with him on this stuff. Come on. And he tweets Utah men's basketball. He tagged them too. <laughs> so he's wrong on two fronts. Not only do you look stupid to me and our <laughs> listeners, you look stupid to Utah basketball. <laughs> Whoever the hell you are, you better apologize. <laughs> I love the requirement Jeez. of an apology. Yeah, Body bag him, why don't you? Well, you accuse me of making stuff up. Brian Williams, what was he in Vietnam, but he wasn't in Vietnam. What was I? <laughs> I don't know that Fisher's story. Fisher was in Iraq or something like that. Was it? Was it more recent? Uh, yes. Yeah. I don't. I don't pay attention. MSNBC is not on my watch list. My family's watch list, but not mine. PK, when when uh, when Craig Smith was talking about his upbringing, I thought, oh man, look, PK and Craig Smith have a connection already. You know, I just, you know. <laughs> That was funny. He came up hard scrabble and made something, and that's the way uh, he's uh, he's been ever since, uh, working his tail off to see success because nothing was given to him. Yeah, and I think that's the way it has to be. I think those guys appreciate it, and I found it. I believe him that he doesn't know the finer details of his contract, actually. That maybe sounds like a stretch, but you were talking about, and you just played the promo from Jay Drew, who was with the Deseret News now, longtime uh, colleague of ours when both, all three of us worked at uh, the Tribune, and I've moved on and he's moved on. Uh, but obviously he looked at the contract, and yeah, that, that's actually a smart thing in there to, to, to put uh, a little thing in as far as getting attendance back because that Huntsman Center, when it's going on, and, and we've been there when it's going on, uh, it is find a place, and I've been to all of these arenas, in the Mountain West and in the Pac-12, and and you know Arizona's got a nice one, but Arizona's got a lot of just snowbirds and their old time. If you look at their, what you can see on television, it's a lot of the old people who use it as an activity to go. The Utes can have a great student section, and it can be, it can be a great, great environment. And it's not like – I was thinking about this. People are talking about this, about this jazz, Gordon. They play Memphis tonight, and Donovan Mitchell's not going to play. He was on the plane, apparently, when they had uh, the bird issue and had to land and take off again, and then he didn't get back on the plane. I honestly don't know what's going on there. I'm sure to a degree some of it will come out, but the jazz got to play without Donovan Mitchell tonight. And from a stamp, fan standpoint, that stinks because I sure like – watching the young fellow play. He's dynamic, and he's got it going on. We were talking about this yesterday. He's now got the confidence to where it's, it's, it's bordering on cockiness, which I think is a great thing. I think all the great ones have that confidence that, oh, like it goes over the barrier of confidence and comes to cockiness, and I'm all for it as long as it's channeled in the right way. But to talk about the Jazz getting the number one seed, well, and they always bring up home court. Well, home court, to me, just isn't exclusively the fans. That's not necessarily what it's about. You look at, think about the number of shots that these guys have put up in their home arena. It's literally thousands more 
than what they've put up in the other arenas. So it's not just the fact that you have one more home game than them, but the fact that you could play four games and shoot in an arena, which you are intimately comfortable in, far more so than the road arenas. That's what I think is a big deal about the home court. Yeah, the familiarity. Yeah. Man, you mentioned Donovan Mitchell. We can talk about this more uh, later. But uh, it's it's the confidence, but it's also the know-how. He understands now how to play the game and what his role is as a leader of the team and what he needs to do to help and, and to interpret what his team needs at any given moment. Uh, and, and he's just gotten better. I mean, he's gotten better and he knows it. That's where the confidence comes from, man. How many football coaches have you talked to through the years who say if you work the hardest, then you can be confident that you're going to win? You know, and he he has worked very hard to refine his game. Remember earlier he was less efficient, yeah. and he was a little confused at times. Not anymore. No, not at all. He's only 24. Uh, good things ahead for him and for the Jazz, that's for sure. All right, well, we'll wrap up the show next. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Is this, this Ice Cube? Yak, who's this? This is Ice Cube. Ice Cube, Gordon, you big Ice Cube guy? I like him in movies. Now, I'll tell you a little bit about Ice Cube. He went to the same high school, Washington and South Central, where my wife taught at for nearly a decade. Was he there as a student when she was teaching? Right before. Huh. Yes, it was just, uh, just a few years uh, later. She got the job and became the varsity soft. No, was it uh, not softball? It was volleyball and tennis. Oh. Yeah. yeah. She was the white shadow, if you know what I mean there. <laughs> Is that what she was known as? No. No, that, no, no one called her that. I think that's just you, you call the men's coaches that. Although I think she was the only Caucasian coach, and the school was 90% African-American, 10% Hispanic. Uh, and uh, there were wonderful people there, that's for sure. They they took very good care of her. They looked out for her. Uh, and uh, so had a great experience there. An interesting experience, too, but also a great experience that I could write a book about. So, yeah, well, PK, you know, I, we've gone the whole show today, and you haven't mentioned that your dad was a janitor. I, I, I've been waiting for it. Why does that it. bug you, Gordon? It doesn't bug me. I, I, I like it. That's why I wanted to hear it. I think I've made that known. That uh, I, I actually may overplay that. I mean, it's not like we were scrounging for our next meal. I don't. I don't want to say that. Uh, okay. Okay, right. Gordon, before we go here, I had a request sent in to me to do something interesting here. I'm going to get your reaction. So here you go real quick. I hear you have a history with this song. As usual, it's it's been overblown, overcooked. What? But all I said was that it wasn't my favorite song. That's all. <laughs> and so now it's become, okay, if I want to annoy Gordon, I'm going to play this song. <laughs> really? Okay. <Yeah. laughs> and this everybody, annoys you? 
No, it, 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 no, it's been, like I said, it's been overcooked. All I said was it's not my favorite song, but, it, it, you know, it's an upbeat song. Makes people happy. I understand that. I don't hate the song. It's just not my favorite. That's all. <laughs> PK, if anyone's going to hate this song, it's PK. <laughs> well, I'd agree with you. It's not my favorite. I can well, remember when the Royals won the World Series, Brett Saberhagen, he loved that tune. <laughs> Brett Saberhagen. <laughs> There's a name I haven't thought of in a long time. And the reason why I bring up Brett Saberhagen, because when he was a senior in high school, he was all-L.A. City pitcher, yeah. and the all-L.A. City catcher is a real good friend of mine. <laughs> <laughs> all right, then. Well, he had a great career. He played college baseball, my friend, and uh, Saberhagen did. Walking on Sunshine, for some reason, I always remember that when the Royals, because George Brett was one of my favorite players, so I followed the Royals because I loved George Brett. I thought he was awesome. But anyway, we're out of time. Gordon, thanks for sitting in. And I, every, time you, every time you sit in, it just the show just blows by. Uh, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. bye. Oh, just so the show just blows. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, the show goes by. Is that better? <laughs> yeah, it's always fun, PK. I yeah. mean, it's always fun. So absolutely, uh, yeah. thanks for having so, me. All right, there you go, Gordon Monson. Sit, sit, Gordon Monson sitting in. We appreciate that and him doing that. We'll have Joe Ingles and Craig Bowlerjack are scheduled tomorrow. Jazz play tonight. Stay with us. We'll have the pregame show at five o'clock. Maybe get some information as to why Donovan Mitchell. Did not make the trip. Uh, the pregame before the game, they speak to the media. We'll have all that with Jake Scott and Tim Lacombe. Gordon will join Jake at 2 o'clock. Coming up next is Scants, Hands and Scotty. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone.